Blog Talk Radio. Use the 
them at all costs Like raccoons or skunks But back to the regular schedule program The program is sponsored by Seven Heaven What else in hell can you get an open line to heaven At 11-11 Emerge at the other end Of those meditation portals And elevated walk tools Even some abort tools any questions, comments, or concerns, press one. To everyone else, thanks for attending another session. I'm pleased to teach, but it's an honor to learn. Certainly, courtesy of KTL University. Oh, please don't be frightened. I'm terribly sorry about this. You are!
you know, you may have a nine to five or you may have uh, five to nine or you may be unemployed or you may be self-employed. You may be in college. You might even be a teenager who's just weighing everything out and you need some information to help you chart your destiny uh, for the future. You know what I'm saying? You might want to be a boss versus being somebody who works for a boss. So we're preparing the family with uh, pertinent information every week. There's going to be uh, new speakers who specialize in the topic of economics, um, entrepreneurship, finances, because all of these different words have different meanings and applications, okay? You know, so we're going to be able to have uh, different people from different walks of life. Today's first guest were a group of um, sisters who are um, employees. Well, there's an owner, but they're, they're affiliates in a um, black-owned company, okay, Aboriginal-owned company. You know, we could play with words. And they um, have natural hair products. So for our brothers and sisters, especially the sisters, we know how much money is being spent in that market, you know, uh, I from last calculation, it was a gross domestic, you know, product of small nation. The amount of money that melanated the women's hair products and beauty products, and um, the sisters even brought up a very good point inside of their lecture that they said that, you know, we get upset with the um, Korean for enterprising and doing what they do and having a stranglehold on that market. But what we don't realize is they're not even the ones that are making the products. They're the ones who have locked down the distribution and the sale of the products, but they're not even the ones that are making the hair products, okay? They're buying them from someone else. So we have to examine this whole operation, this whole market from the top to the bottom. Okay, from all the way processing, creating the chemicals or creating the natural, you know, um, additives or whatever it is that's being created all the way up until the point where it's being put inside your hair, on top of your hair, on your face, whatever it may be, um, we really need to begin to do our research. You know, we have some powerful researchers in this network of consciousness. We need to put our researchers directly on the job straight to the job, straight to the chase, right? Let's let's take this thing apart, right? And um, these sisters were also speaking about the power of network marketing and affiliate marketing, something that we spoke about in detail on this show on numerous occasions, and we're going to continue to speak about it, and we're also going to show you in, um, you know, in real time, in living color, what it's like, all right? you know, um, communal economics through, you know, peer-to-peer economics through the utilage, through the usage of, you know, um, the network marketing platforms, multi-level marketing platforms, affiliate marketing platforms, which simply means that if I have a product, you know, or if I have a service, you know, some services are available the um, under the title of S-A-A-S, Software as Apps, 
solution, something like that. Solution, no service as software or something. Okay, I get it correct. My brother's email is teaching me some stuff, but um, you know, these are some of the things that we need to begin to uh, learn about and apply to our daily routine, especially those of us who are in business or looking to um, get into business. But truth be told, I mean, most of us are in business in some sort of way. We are all involved in some degree of business. I'm saying we, we nurture business relationships. We're doing some form of exchange or bartering or we're creating something. Our intellectual property is being, you know, we are creating intellectual property and we're selling it or we're lending it, or we're letting people license it. You understand what I'm saying? We're involved in some sort of business. So, you know, the classes that are be given every Tuesday and at the National Black Day that are on the third floor, it's going to be Money Making Tuesdays. The good part about it is that it's free, it's open, okay? The doors are open for the people, all right? Um, it also is going to be streamed online. So if you're not in the New York area, you might be in El Segundo, no problem. You will be able to view the uh, the festivities either from your laptop, your desktop, or your phone or your tablet. I mean, the choice is yours. There's so many choices these days. You know, you just make it happen, all right? So that's that commercial. Let me go ahead and open up this line right here and see if this is our guest for the night. Not our guest, our co-host, my bad, pardon me. As a matter of fact, let's do this. Call her from the 2-2, call her from the 2 Peace. Line. We're going to go to a little bit of music Alright family That's what we're going to do We're going to go to a song And from there we're going to go bring in our co-host And then we're going to get this show on and popping Alright so in the meantime While we're doing all of that family All that I would ask is if uh, anybody You know I'm sure we're all parts of the social network Whether it's Twitter Instagram, Vine, you name it, Facebook. Some of y'all leave it on MySpace still. Do me a favor. Uh, share the link, okay? Share the link for the show tonight. Let them know that you're live. Let them know that we're about to get it on uh, with our brother Polite. He's on his way. And um, do me a favor and share that with your network. All right, hello? Give me one minute, family. Peace, 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 peace. Peace, family, peace, family. You had a small technical difficulty. The phone hung up. I'm back right now. Let me go ahead and um, relaunch this, this chat. Just give me a second, all right? Can't even play no elevator music right now. Just give me one minute, one minute, one minute. 
Hold up. We're going to get into some music real quick. All right, give me a few minutes and we'll be right back. Peace. Peace. Hello? Yes, sir. Peace. 
when I started speaking about money. To me, it is at the apex of metaphysics because a conscious people cannot profess to have created the pyramids, which lie on the 32-degree line of latitude, Tropic of Cancer, world over. Most of all pyramids are on that Tropic of Cancer line of latitude. A great people who swear that they are the fathers and the mothers of math and science and even language should not be having problems transcending the depths of poverty. And it is an actuality that if we were able to facilitate in ways commercially, which would get us through the threshold of wealth and out of the previous corridor of poverty, then many of us would not treat each other in the lowly state that we have been treating each other since time immemorial or since we can conceive as of the last several generations. Okay, many of us are suffering from post-poverty disorder. Okay, post-poverty disorder. The, one of the worst problems that we have been having in our community from since slavery has been the element of poverty. Psychologically, we were impacted more by poverty than we were impacted by the beatings, than by the rapings, and then by the castrations. Even on to this very day, we still behave as slaves, and as far as the fact that we sit here and we watch other people have, and many of us in the conscious community would assume that in order for another brother or sister to have, they might have brown-nosed. They might have kissed some white man's behind. They might be Illuminati. But that is a slave mentality. A slave only gets his food, clothing, and shelter from master. So when the slave finally came across a free black man or a free black woman, the only thing that the slave could conceive was that that free black man or woman obtained their wealth through some form of compromising their moral integrity. Never could they conceive that that black man or that black woman was creative enough to create a situation around themselves that was effective for themselves and possibly for others. A slave can only conceptualize that one can only obtain their resources, their goods, their food, their clothing, and their shelter from the slave master. So in that sense, many of us are still behaving like slaves as we're still thinking like slaves. And what people must also understand when we talk about the metaphysics of money is that wealthy people suffer from poverty too. And that's a very, very crucial and very, very significant paradigm. Wealthy people are also the subjects of poverty. That's very important. Now, what does that mean? Well, the first thing we have to consider when we talk about this is what exactly is wealth. We have to ask ourselves, what exactly is wealth? So if you were to look up the dictionary definition for wealth, you would see in convention it's identified or qualified as an abundance of valuable possessions or money. That's wealth, all right? And then now we're going to look at the word rich, and we'll see it's having a great deal of money or assets. So one says Rich, being rich is having a great deal of money or assets. Wealth is having an abundance of valuable possessions or money, okay? Now we're going to look at poverty. 
And poverty is the state of being extremely poor. It's the state of being inferior in quality or insufficient in amount. So when you take this into consideration, a wealthy person can still be poverty-stricken. A wealthy person can have an abundance of assets, an abundance of money, but they can be inferior in quality. So a wealthy person can, or a rich person can have a great deal of money but still be poverty-stricken because that which they have is inferior in quality. So here's an example. A rich person can buy a car, multiple cars, have an abundance of cars, and thus they be rendered the wealthy. But the second their cars come out of the lot from the time of purchase, it loses its value. Now, this wealthy person that has an abundance, this wealthy person that has an abundance of money or an abundance of possessions, if the abundance of possessions that they have acquired is not worth more than what they purchased it for, then that which they have purchased is inferior in quality. Therefore, that wealthy person is also a subject of poverty. I hope people understand what we're saying. So we want to make it clear that even the rich amongst us are suffering from poverty because it is a big part of poverty, okay, entails having that which is inferior in quality or insufficient in amount. So we have to look at what we call our assets, and we have to see if it is worth more than the amount that we purchased it for. Otherwise, you yourself may be making a bunch of money and have a bunch of assets, but because your assets are inferior in quality, you are in poverty. But because of the definitions, our low cognition of the definitions, you may not realize that you, too, should be afraid. You may not realize what your destiny beholds. So the purpose of having this metaphysics of money class is so we can integrate spirituality with commerce. Because if we don't integrate spirituality with commerce, we're going to be compromised severely. A big part of the problems and the issues that's in our lives come on account of the fact that we are not in possession of things that are high in quality. That is the issue. And because of that, like I have people that the second they see me have something, they have to create a situation around me or attempt to create a situation around me that stipulates something negative. But I guarantee you, if they had and they were – complacent with their living situation, they would not take the time out to say anything about me. But so long as they don't have, they need what's called a coping mechanism. They need somebody to blame for why their life is hell and why they haven't moved forward. That's what poverty does to you. It makes you see who has and turn the haves 
into enemies of the have-nots. And they always will complain about the way or the manner in which you have. I'm having this metaphysics of money class because one of the strongest things that we have going for us is our desire for material things in this world. That's one of the greater things of this existence. Why would you be manifest physical to not partake in that which is physical? I know some people say that's the spiritual way. That is the, that's what you should do when you're highly spiritual. But they're missing a portion of spirituality. The greatest part of spirituality is the metaphysics of money because what we teach on the metaphysics of money, we teach that you must have so you can let it go. If you've never had it, we don't know who you are. You may be a man that has never cheated on your woman, not because you're a good man, but because you never had the money to have a mistress. You see, in order for you to have a mistress, you've got to have money. And, in fact, the mistress gets more than the wife because you have to go to a far hotel, probably cost a lot more money because you're not going to see her that long. You've got to treat her exceptionally well the time you do see her. We don't know if you're a scumbag because you haven't had the money to become one. We don't know how good you are. We don't know if you would get someone pushed back. You may not have the money to pay for someone to get pushed back. Now, I know some niggas that I could probably give a QP to. Not even probably. I know some cats that I could get pushed so as they get a QP a week. I already know. Everyone have a price. You see what I'm saying? But we don't know what your capabilities are until you're in position to facilitate it. So how dare a man condemn the drug dealer or the stripper without first trying to find a way to supplant that which they do to sustain themselves? I don't agree with stripping. I don't agree with drug dealing. But I also don't agree with teaching people about God without cause. I don't believe in merely telling people about a creator and condemning them about their lifestyle, but never qualifying the time and the energy they use to critique these people with a plan of action in which they can supplant that which they do to generate funds. See, we don't teach our people to do something equal to, if not better, than what they have been acclimated to do to keep themselves alive, then we are even more wicked than they are. And I know people will say, man, I'm not wicked because I ain't selling no drugs. Well, just think about this. Some people are not selling drugs because they're afraid to do it. Not that they're good people. They're afraid to get killed in the process. They're afraid of getting locked up. It's not so much the fact that they're just willing to live a bad life because they just can't sell drugs. Let's not front. Some people are not killing, and some people are uh, not hustling, and some people are not prostitutes just because they're afraid. You got people out here that do things that demand that they be killed because suicide hurts too much. It's not that they're not suicidal. It just would hurt if they killed themselves. If they jumped off a building, it would hurt. If they cut their wrist, it would hurt. So the main thing stopping people from committing suicide is the fear of the pain. That's the main reason people are not committing suicide. So what they do is things that would get them killed by doing and saying the wrong things to other people. And the only people, and I'm saying it again, people are suicidal. Every day of the week I see suicidal people. However, you have the people that are suicidal that will actually hurt themselves to get to death. But most people do not have the goal 
to hurt themselves to get to death. So what they do instead is say and do provocative things and hope someone takes them out of existence because they can't bring the pain on themselves. That's what we're dealing with today. So is anybody really good? We wouldn't really know. Because people are suicidal every day, but they'll smoke a cigarette to do it in such ways where they won't feel the pain. They'll overdose and drink it so they won't feel the pain of an immediate death. They will slander and they will backbite people. And all they're doing is hoping someone take them out of existence. They're hoping every day, hopefully I can get this man so upset that he can just take me out because I'm so frustrated with my situation. I'm going to bother people like hell every day in hopes that they cup overfills and they finally take me out. I see people do it every day all the time. People who have families, people who have children. People are too afraid to kill themselves. They're too afraid. So they're looking for you, someone who, who has potential to transcend poverty. You're this close to coming out of it. But you got people watching, waiting and waiting, and saying, no, 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 no. Deviate from your potential success, and please take me out. And in the process, we both go down. Everyone got to be careful for these people. They're always sitting there waiting. They're always going to say the right thing. In spirit, they know the very thing to do and say to you to get you to deviate. I've been in this long enough to see it. Well, I'm like, damn, that nigga just said the only thing that would make me want to stop what I'm doing. But then you got to turn around. What would actually stop you from giving into that temptation? People say spirituality. That's okay. I'll go with that. But what kind of spirituality? Money. And people ain't going to like this because we've been taught the wrong way. Money stops me from hurting a lot of people. You see what I'm saying? It actually stops me because when people say they do slick and weird things, I got to turn around and say, I'm not going to drop this Bentley. So I could get online and say something crazy. I just came out for air today. I came out for air so I could do this radio interview. And I'm like, yo, when I come out for air, I'm finding out one of the homies is going crazy since after the debate. People are like, yeah, he's been going in for the longest. I don't know. I didn't even know. I was too busy riding around the stretch home and hanging out in Bentley's and hanging out with the game and J.R. Smith and Metal World Peace and playing a basketball game for free to contribute to the community. The twin know blue pills on the phone. I roll up the Inglewood in the bit. Roll up the Inglewood, okay, in the Bentley, the 2014 jump off in Inglewood. I'm in Compton with the game and J.R. Smith and Metal World Peace. Then after that, I'm in Venice Beach playing ball again with Metal World Peace for free for the community to turn around and then give them the information. This is what we're doing here. But you see, if I was not successful, I would have lots of frivolous Internet time, and I'll be able to keep up with everything everybody says, and I'll be sitting in my house with sweaty drawers, never showering, going back at people, karate, uh, Internet karate, on the keyboard, going in hard, back and forth against people. But you see, when you're living your life, and you're qualifying your time with your family and your friends, and you're contributing to people's lives for the benefit of them just being uplifted because you know when you uplift them, you simultaneously lift yourself up. 
you're not even aware. By the time I get ready to respond to somebody, I'm ready to respond. And they're like, yo, polite, you like uh, three weeks off. They're going to be looking at you kind of crazy. You're three weeks late. I'm like, damn, every time I want to respond, I'm three weeks, one month, two months late, coming out for air. So what I'm telling everybody is your only protection is your hard work. Your only protection is the time you have with your family. But when you don't have the resources to facilitate in ways to spend that quality time with your family, when you don't have the resources to sustain yourself, it turns you into a bitter Negro that is looking for a way out. Success is your only refuge when it comes to poverty. Poverty is synonymous with hell, okay? It's synonymous with hell. And success is synonymous with heaven. So we can have heaven on earth right now. Or we could be complacent with poverty in hopes that there's something greater when we die. But why be ashamed if you want it now and you want it later? If we exist perpetually in forms of energy, it suffices to say I shouldn't have to suffer in no time unless I choose to. So this is motivational energy, motivational information. This is truly conscious information. I hear people all the time. Oh, what is he doing? Is he is he entertaining? Is he an entertainer? Why is he bringing out? You know, I got brothers from the Nation of Islam going, not me, because I bring out a rapper to start off my debate. And then I stay on stage for four hours to teach after the rapper does his thing for five minutes. But then right after all this, the Nation of Islam has rappers on their stage wearing their uniform, jumping around saying the word nigga, the very thing they was against in my debate. But only difference is the rappers have hours on stage and they get to stand in uniforms not teaching. So I'm like, how the hell you knock me? I gave the rapper five minutes and I stand and I teach for hours. Y'all stand on stage. Knock us for having the word nigga solicited in the debate. But then you have a rapper dressed in your uniform while all your teachers are in uniform quiet while the rappers go jumping up and down saying nigga left and right. Now I support the idea of them supporting the hip-hop community. The only thing I don't support is when you knock at me. I spoke for hours after the rapper did his thing for five minutes. Y'all spoke at no point. And you stood there and you watched them wear your uniform saying things you said you were against me for. But poverty does that to you, man. Poverty make you pick out little shit like that, then be hypocritical right after that, and think no one see you. And this is all for what? Everything we do, if you pay attention to it, you can tell what people really be upset about. Since I did that Islam debate, I don't be hearing nobody rebutting the things I said. They come for you directly. Why? Because the success bothers them. It frustrates them. You know how I know? Because the second people get upset with something I've been teaching, the second they get upset with something I've been teaching, you know what they go to? They go to the character attacks, character assassination, attack the community, attack my wives, attack the way we do things and how we do things, but never the information. You know why? Oh, and the worst thing that they do, let's think about this clearly. Look, look what poverty does. It makes you complain. They say things like, I'm in the streets. You know, these brothers and sisters are dying. We here. Why are you entertaining? Y'all jumping around on stage. We in the streets. You know, these people talk like they're the only ones helping people out. But the truth of the matter is, whenever they talk about the people they're helping, they always sound upset, like they really wish they wasn't doing it. 
and they're upset that we look happy doing what we do. Because when I listen to people talking about what they do, they always sound like they're complaining about being in the streets. They always sound like they're complaining about helping the gang members. They always sound like they're complaining about the time that they consume when they're trying to help. And it's almost like misery loves company. So don't, don't you dare try to have fun in the process. Nigga, this is called the struggle. And I told my family, I'm never calling this movement the struggle because there's a power in words. And if you tell people that our liberation is called the struggle, then that's exactly what's going to take place. So this is not the struggle. This is the progression. Things are getting better. And if you don't see it that way, it's never going to be that way. We have to speak words to power. We have to speak our, our, our ambitions into existence, but we have to use choice words in order to accomplish the goals that we intend to accomplish. We can no longer call this the struggle. And we can no longer call ourselves poor righteous teachers. And, yes, you can flip it around and tell us, no, by poor, we don't mean poverty, brother. What we're talking about, I understand what you're saying, brother. But at the end of the day, we speak in words to power. So the second you say you're a poor, righteous teacher, what resonates in people is that we don't have shit and we teach it, thus making consciousness synonymous with poverty. Therefore, we can't progress because everyone that got a head start on us got more money than us. It's an absolute fact. We're never going to have a liberation without the funding. I don't care what nobody say. Oh, yeah, you waiting for all the black people to get upset and turn things over? No, no, we looking for opportunity here. You got people looking for high school opportunity, college opportunity, hip-hop opportunity, acting opportunity. Black people got so much opportunities in front of them, you're not really going to get us like that. The best thing you can do is get black people to acquire as much as property and funds possible. So then when everyone has all of that taken from them, we all have good reason to fight because we all work hard to obtain what we got. That's how you start a liberation. You give people something to lose so they fight for it. But if our people feel like they don't have nothing, then what the hell are they going to fight for? You got people walking around here feeling like they ain't got nothing, and you're asking how come they don't fight. They're never going to fight because they don't even think they have anything to fight for in the first place. What they fighting for? They woman? They don't have a woman. They, they are, they're in contentious times with their woman. What the women gonna fight for their men? They're upset with the men. What the men? What the men and the women gonna fight for their homes? We're the least likely to have a house and the most likely to lose it. So there's no house to fight for. There's no money to fight for. You know what I'm saying? So what are we going to use to motivate the people to engage the liberation movement if everybody on average feels like they don't even have enough? How do you get a people to feel like they have nothing to fight for something? What you do is put something in their hands put something in their pockets, make them obtain possessions. Then, when they see the oppressive forces working to take their home, working to take their assets, deducting their pay, tax man invading the privacy of their private commerce, then you have given people the incentive to fight for something because they work hard to get it in the first place. See, it's all psychological. But the only thing that we've really been teaching or homing in on as a collective, is the way we've been abused during slavery. We talk about the rapists. We talk about the castrations. We talk about all the physical plagues of slavery. But never does anyone really take the time out to break down the psychology of slavery. Because slavery was more mental than it was physical. Now, you see, if we knew slavery was more mental than physical, then we would be combative towards uh, post-slavery in a form of being mental. But since we believe or conceive that slavery is predominantly physical, then what we do in our stance is predominantly behave that the way to solve our problem is to be physical. Am I saying we're going to have a revolution without bloodshed? 
Undoubtedly not. I don't, I, don't, I believe there would be bloodshed during the revolution. But what I do know is this. There's war and there's warfare. And black people talk too much about war because you've been tricked into thinking slavery is about something physical. Warfare is psychological. Warfare is the type of thing where you fluoridate the waters to effeminize the men, where you inject the foods with tons of hormones to compromise the gender specificity of, the, of that community that you want to traumatize. So that way when it's time to go to war, the, when, the women are in a masculine psychological state and the men are in a feminine psychological state, thus we are compromised when it's time to go to war. you got a bunch of men in, on their feminine scale, okay, with a greater inclination towards their feminine scale. So if these men decide, if these men decide to go to war, guess what their options is going to be? When you're dealing with warfare, it's all set up. Warfare will have us have very low cognition on finances. So in, in the interim, we're having very low cognition on finances because we're dealing with warfare. Let me go back a little further in terms of warfare, which is mental. War is physical. Everybody, go to war, go to war, go to war. If you even have to lay a hand on somebody to win a fight, most times you lost. Let's keep it above. Yeah. If, if the fight has to get physical, you probably lost from the time you had to lay your hand on someone because someone who precipitated that fight most times is not either one of the two people fighting. The warfare takes place, and those two people fighting are playing into the hands of the one that wanted them to fight in the first place. So let's think about it like that. Now let's go back. Who's controlling our education? And all the years you go through school, we have math, we have science, we have language, we have reading. Makes sense for the most part. You have music, you have art, you have gym. Makes sense for the most part. And we're going to see these classes from grade 1 straight to 12th grade. But what we're not going to see from 1st grade to 12th grade in almost every circumstance is a real estate class. Now, everybody needs a place to live. Everybody needs a place to live. But for 12 years plus in schooling, we will not learn how to get a place to live. And if we ever learn how to get a place to live after 12th grade, we probably got to pay $20,000 or more student loan just to get a tidbit of that which we need to survive previous to us being inducted into their college school system. And they call it a university, but they don't even teach you nothing about the universe. They call it a university. But you call it a university, but everyone's coming out knowing very little about the universe. We got to really think about how weird this thing is. They give you a food pyramid, but they never built a pyramid in their life. But all of this is subliminal seduction. So now the point is this. You have a very low cognition of finance, very low cognition of real estate, don't know how to have a home. A brother or a sister has animal genes in them too. If put in a situation where they have to be responsive to their animal genes, they will suppress the scientists in them because there's no need for the scientists in the atmosphere in which they thrive. They have to be more responsive to their animal DNA. So, therefore, they become criminals, not because they are criminals by nature, but because it is a default mechanism for them to at least be able to survive and thrive in the setting that they are in when one other personality does not suffice. So now we look at it and say, well, you know what? If we have a very low cognition in finances, then chances are we're going to become criminals, which facilitates a means for the subtle oppressor to have us incarcerated. So then the men are incarcerated. The rest are in a fratricidal war against each other because of the poverty-stricken conditions that they're subject to. The schools are overcrowded, it's dilapidated, and the children after school are subject to destitution, extreme elements of poverty, so in turn they fight each other. 
in turn, they start uh, getting mad at each other. So now we have our brothers and sisters fighting each other on the streets in a fractal side of war. The rest are already incarcerated. The others have been homosexualized because we're eating foods from people who don't respect us, who are not of our race, but they're all selling food to us in our so-called community. Now, when you put those three things together, warfare has been implemented. Now you go to the conscious lecture, and they say, war, this cracker don't understand nothing unless it's killing, unless it's fighting. That's all this white man understands. So now... They're pumping you up. You're already frustrated with poverty. You're already angry. You don't have nothing. You don't, you don't have no guns. You're going to have to buy the guns you want for the revolution from the white man in the first place. Let's skip that point, and let's just pretend that this idea all makes sense. So this is part of the warfare. You feel me? So now your oppressors are already saying, man, we already done fluoridated their water. We already injected their food with hormones. We already compromised the integrity of the genders in their community. We've already created a situation for them to actually commit crimes so we could be legitimized in modern-day slavery and holding them in bondage in light of the fact that they've been convicted duly of a crime that they actually committed. So who can get mad at us for purposely enslaving these people because they actually committed these crimes? We got them on the camera trying to rob the store. We caught them on the corner trying to sell the drugs. We got the sister actually selling our ass. How can you get mad at us? So meanwhile, the conscious community says, fight, kill the goddamn cracker. We're not even in the state of mind to do that. But shit, it makes sense because out of all the poverty, I'm frustrated. So more of us is in prison. Meanwhile, there's just a few of us to have enough sense, and you know we get discouraged because when we need the community to support us, they're not in the right state of mind or even present to do so. And this is the warfare strategy. So now when we all decide, yo, you know what, fuck it, we're going to fight anyway, even if we put up our best fight. We've already been handicapped because of the effeminization of the black man, because the black woman wants to be a black man secretly at heart, because the brothers and sisters are killing each other in gangs, because we, the, the prison system is filled with blacks over 90%, how the hell the field of us that have sense in our head is actually going to wage a war? The only way we're going to win is through hip-hop and metaphysics of money. And I know this sounds crazy, so I just want people to take their time and listen to me. Music will make people feel guilty about oppressing you. If you can help people out during trying times in their life, they, it would be hard for them to turn on the race. I'm going to show you something. There's a guy that is in Times Square. He looks like the image of white Jesus that has been pushed into our households and into our consciousness from generation to generation. He has long hair. Everybody says, oh, man, that looks like Jesus. Just by saying that, it's as though Jesus actually existed. But anyway, what we'll say is this. <clears throat> when he asks for money in Times Square, he has no talent. He's dirty and he stinks. But he fits the visible description of Jesus that got his ass bust after the Last Supper. So because this dirty, stinking white man looks like Jesus, all he has to do with that stench is go to people and ask for money, and that is his talent, looking like Jesus after he got his ass kicked according to the depiction of the story and the depiction of the pictures that's draped in people's houses. Everyone gives this man money because of that story. Well, in similar fashion, where you help people during trying times with your music and you touch them, that person that has done that for them has saved our race because you have made fans out of other people from other races and because you have helped them through those trying times, there is a guilt mechanism 
injected into their minds about attacking people of that race because one of their race has healed me or has blessed me with great times in sports or in hip-hop through their music or R&B. If you go to Michael Jackson's statue outside this country, you will still see white folks bending down, crying before his statue. If you even look at Tupac and the way he's delivered our people and other people through trying times with his uh, political views, you will see that people will be reluctant to attack us through our greatness. You see, so this is warfare, and this is the part they don't understand. The only way we can win this war is if we get other races to love us. I'm not saying mix with them and make babies, but if we deal with it from a psychological perspective, we have to embed guilt into the psychology of their children through the element of love. We have to make other races love our race for what we've contributed to the world and their lives and, and their own individual capacities. So they will be reluctant to oppress us when the white man or any other race says, bang on those uh, black men and women. You want them to say, man, I grew up listening to people that look like him. So he looked just like the dude I was listening to that helped me during my times. Are you kidding me? I'm not doing that to them black people. I love black people. You see, this is the danger that the original slave master understood that the new slave master doesn't. People are falling in love with our race because of the times that we have given them through our music, through our culture. We have made people want to become us. This is inadvertent warfare, but if we learn how to use this to our advantage through the metaphysics of money, we'd be protecting our race and we'll create a situation where you'll have people of the opposite race trying to oppress us, fighting amongst each other over why they are not trying to fight alongside their race to bring us down. This is true. We can create a guilt complex through our success. This is what we have to start thinking about. Create a guilt complex. Make them so enticed by our success as a community. Make it harder for people to come into our culture because they want to come in. So much so that they will be willing to turn on their own just to get a taste of our culture. That's what we got to do. That's what happened to us. We want to end in the white man's society so bad, we turned on each other just to get a taste of his paradigm. Now the, the board has switched. Sides have switched. If we would just close our doors just a little bit, I know it's impossible to think all black people are going to close their doors, but if enough of us in pivotal position or enough of us creators create something very powerful and leave the exclusive to us, you create a circumstance to which end the racists that have already fell, fell in love with our people will go as far as even turn it on their own if they could just be accepted into our own culture. We could give them a little taste. That is warfare. That's how you beat these people, man. You're not going to beat them uh, physically on GP. No, you got to build up the momentum to beat them physically. For now, we got to take it on mentally. That is where our strong point is. Don't think you a gangster just because you black, because if we was really gangster, we'd have lost our mind already after being enslaved over 1,200 years in Africa and over 400 years in America. We would have been lost our mind. We would have never been able to conceive how could we send our children to schools where the people that are teaching look literally like they're from the bloodline descendancy of the people that have raped, pillaged, and castrated us. If we were as gangster as we conceived, we would have taken the same stance as the Jews. And we would have said, nobody who's German is going to be allowed to teach us or make money for us we're not going to be hired by them. We're not going to work for them. They're not going to be around our children. But, yo, we don't got a problem with them walking around. We're just not doing that because they were instrumental or played an integral role in the Holocaust. See, these are the real gangsters. 
black people ain't no damn gangsters, man. We only da- gangsters by default. We try to figure it out still. If we were the gangsters, we'd be the ones controlling the guns and making guns. By now, with all the bullshit killing we doing, you would think a nigga would start making his own gun, cut out the middle, man, and stop making someone else make a profit. We sell Lucy's. We don't make no damn Lucy's. We sell weed. We ain't really bringing it into the fucking country. We selling coke. We selling crack. We don't make that. We selling guns. We don't make it. We shoot guns. We don't make them. So what's really good? If the real gangster corners the market on killing, that's what the real gangster does. The real gangster benefits when people die. That's the real gangster. We're not the real gangster. We are not the real gangsters. So when we wake up and we realize we are not naturally killers, we are loving people, because only a loving people will still trust their children around the damn beast that enslaved them or the children of the people that enslaved them. Once we come to that self-realization, then we can conceive how to come out of the situation, which is to use the best thing we got going for us as a race, which is at the apex of humanity, the mind. When we go back to the mind, we won the war. Because from the filter of the mind is spirituality. And from the spirituality is commerce. It's a fact. The way people buy, sell, and consume amongst each other is a form of spirituality called commerce. It takes the spirit for people to be willing to invest in each other, especially in the context of law. The definition of friend legally is one who is willing to invest in you and one you are willing to invest in. That is the legal definition of friend. So what are we talking about when we're talking about commerce? We're talking about the highest form of spirituality where people don't feel reluctant to shop with their own and fear that the person that they put in money into their pocket may succeed before they do. Because that is the number one killer of the black community. It's not really the guns. It's, it's the fear of the other person progressing if you patronize them before you get an opportunity to progress. It's that crab in the barrel complex. The biggest killer of black people is not understanding that commerce is, a, is the highest form of spirituality. If we learned how to circulate the dollar 30-plus times in our community, that is a spiritual precept because that means that our people are in such a state of harmony that the dollar cannot leave the community once, it's, once it leaves the hand of one brother or sister, it goes to another brother or sister, goes to another brother or sister, then the energy on that dollar, phylogenetically, <clears throat> encompasses our spirit and our will because the monies, which I'm going to teach at the lecture, money is created out of elements that correspond with our morphogenetic code. This means that the way you think, your consciousness is linked actually to the coinage, actually to the paper dollars. I'm going to prove this. I'm going to go into what they make money out of and why the damn web is on the dollar in the first place by no coincidence. They create money out of material that is connected to your consciousness. So we have to be free in mind. Oh, if we're poor in mind, we're going to make poor decisions. The highest thing we can do as an evolved race in a spiritual form, in a spiritually art form, in a spiritual art form, is engage in commerce with each other. Commerce is a high form of spirituality. And that's why when we talk about the metaphysics of money, what we have to understand is that there's a chemical reaction that corresponds with every aspect of transactions. This means... 
if you lose money, they have pain receptors that are thrusted into your uh, neurological paradigm. Pain receptors. Pain receptors are set off. If someone says the word donate and you're really not the type to donate or you're just tired of donating, pain receptors go off. When you find money, the chemical reaction that corresponds with finding money or making money off an investment is called oxytocin. Oxytocin is the bonding hormone that is secreted when a mother is, being, uh, is weaning her newborn baby. When a baby is suckling or, or pulling at the nipple of the mother, Oxytocin is produced. It's called the bonding hormone, and it causes the mother to have a stronger connection with the child, causes the mother to care about that child, causes the mother to care about herself, causes the mother to be in a more developed, loving state of mind and spirit, and it sends strong sensations, chills down her back that makes her feel good about herself and about the person she's taking care of. When a person makes money off of an investment or gives money to someone and realizes the great effect it has when they gave money to someone else. It sets off what's called oxytocin, and it gives you this real good sensation that makes you feel good about yourself and in turn makes you bond with whomever you donated to or makes you bond with whoever you engage in commerce with. Now, this can be a very dangerous thing. Now, again, this is a hormone that nature embedded into the woman's psychology that upon the pulling of her nipple, it makes her become more motherly by connecting with the baby that is feeding off of her. This is also why women should not allow men that are toxic to them because to suckle or suck on their nipples because it creates chemical reactions that make them bond with people that are, they're allowing to suck on their nipples. Now, what happens is if this man is beating the woman up all of the time, she may find it hard to get out of the relationship because chemically she has already bonded to the man that is toxic to her in the relationship. So in the same manner, when we engage in commerce with people, there is a bond that is established if we do progress after investment. Now, if all our people have managed to do is make progressive investments with other races, we are now bonded to other races from the experience of things going good. So much so that when it's time to connect with one of your own to engage in commerce, you are skeptical. You are reluctant. You are hesitant. You are fearful. You are doubtful. You are pessimistic. You are cynical because the hormone has only secreted under circumstances where you've engaged in commerce to go to the dentist through somebody who was of another race, to be educated through somebody who was of another race, to have your house saved by the fireman through somebody that was of another race. Your whole experience in this paradigm is super saturated with other races coming to your salvation. And lastly, when it comes to commerce, we have done commerce with so many other races. We are stigmatized by the progressive action and transactions that have taken place with us and other races. So when it's time to interface with your own, you cannot conceive how it might go right. And, in fact, you may even sabotage the investment yourself to prove to yourself you should not even deal with a black man or a black woman when it comes to commerce, only deal with other races. Finding hormone already has you set to appreciate what other races have in order. They understand this. This is the chemical response 
to commerce. This is the chemical response to making money off your investments. So this is why we're telling you there's a metaphysics of money because in light of these things, there's also the element of disease because the stress incurred from not having the monies to pay for your light bill, not having the monies to pay for your phone bill, not having the monies to take your wife out. What's going to happen is it makes you nervous. If your light is about to be cut off, if your phone is about to be cut off, you get nervous. Nervousness is an emotion that corresponds with anxiety. Anxiety, when precipitated by unresolved emotions of nervousness, causes one to bite their nails or choose to eat something crunchy. That which is crunchy is normally saturated in oil, and that which is saturated in oil normally is accompanied by lots of salt. Should a person not resolve their emotional distress, whatever incurred the stress that is anxiety in the form of not being able to pay your phone bill, in the form of not being able to pay for your mortgage, in the form of not being able to pay to take your wife out and it's the anniversary, the stress incurred uh, precipitates anxiety, and when the emotions go unresolved, your over-anxiousness causes you to overindulge in crunchy foods like potato chips and french fries and the likes, and these deep fried foods also being made with lots of salt, incur dis-ease in the form of wound cancer, prostate cancer, high blood pressure, and a number of other anomalies. So we see that emotions transmigrate into appetite, and if the emotions go unresolved, the appetite precipitates disease. And all of this is incurred on account of having a lack of money. So we have to understand the metaphysics of money. Go ahead, my brother. You say something? Oh, you you're good. Okay. No doubt, man. Good, so, no doubt. So, I, I'm here saying today. No, I'm not telling you to worship money. That's not what I'm saying. People that are in a bad place when it comes to money will make something negative out of this communication. I'm not telling you to lose yourself in the maya of trying to generate funds. I'm saying that the people that are telling you that money is not that important are lying to you, and it's keeping you oppressed. You're not going to be free until you, you can experience doing what you want at will. It's everyone's right. You may not need to get the very nice, expensive car. You may not need to get the real expensive shoes. You may need the nice chain. You may not need those things. <clears throat> but don't lie to me and tell me there's not nothing on the physical plane that you would not indulge in. Do not say that to me because you are lying. You are lying. And the people that are angry out there always saying something negative about somebody. I tr- trust me when I tell you. If they had something going good for them, they would not have the time to give you a report about other people because they would be too consumed by spending their own money, which is to say spending their time in the manner in which they choose to. Don't let people fool you. The only people that really got time to say negative things about other people are poor people, and poor people can be wealthy people. We went over that because a wealthy person can have an abundance of possessions or a whole lot of money, but by dictionary definition, poverty is stipulated. The stipulation behind poverty is predicated upon having inferior quality. 
So you can have an abundance of many things, but if it is inferior in quality, you are still in a state of poverty. So a person with a poor mentality has an inferior quality in their conceptions. The way they think is on decline. So thus they are mentally poverty-stricken, while some of us are mentally wealthy. We have possessions that are worth more from the time we get it. You see, that's a whole nother genre of divinity where you can take something that generally would not be worth as much as it was prior to your purchase, acquire it, renovate it, and make it worth more than it was when it comes to you. That's God in commerce. That is God. And we have to strive to get to the apex of the pyramid or Godship when it comes to commerce. We have to strive to create a situation where we can buy, we can uh, purchase, buy and exchange. Okay? Where we can buy, sell, and consume, I should say. When we could do this amongst each other, we are on a whole nother level of spirituality. So, yes, the filter for finance corresponds with emotions, which in turn lead to appetite for or, or cravings, which if the emotions go unresolved, it precipitates disease, and all of this stress is incurred by having a lack of resources, rendering our inability to execute in ways we choose or thrive in ways we wish we could in the physical plane. And nothing can be more stressful than that. It's destroying our relationships. <clears throat> it's making a man say, you know what? I'm going to run away from my responsibility because I don't want to sit here and stomach the embarrassment of a woman talking down on me because she's not going to work with me to make this money. She's going to oppress me because I'm not making it. While all the while, the stress isn't on her to generate as much as revenue as it is on me. No, and it's easier for her to work her way up the social ladder than it is for me as a black man. I'm not turning on the women. I teach the black woman as God, but it doesn't mean she's right all the time. It doesn't mean she's right all the time. It just means potentially that should be the agenda that she is God. The agenda should be to take care of our God, to honor our God. She produces our children. She produced us. You want to save our community, you save the women. That's what you do. Because she has to hold the child for nine months, so she has an immediate impression on the child for nine months that is separate from us. And when we look up the word creation, that's why I'm big on reading definitions to understand what I'm saying. When I look at the word God in its colloquial sense, God renders one who has an exclusive right under any aspect of creation. Anyone who has an exclusive right under any aspect of creation. She has the exclusive right of a nine-month gesticulation period. She exclusively has that. Man don't have it. She exclusively has the right to breastfeed. Man doesn't have that. So in its colloquial meaning, God renders one the specific attribute of an exclusive right towards that which entails creation or birth. How can I not render her that with the end? But we're just too religious and, and too emotional because of the religion. But even if we look at the word spirituality and type in 
the following words in Google. You'll see it. Type in the word spirituality. Type in the word revenue. And type in the word property and put dictionary definition. And you'll see one of the dictionary definitions for spirituality is the revenue generated by the church or the property acquired. So making money and acquiring property has been considered to be spirituality. You can also see this in religious dictionaries. But the brand of spirituality that has been taught to us was giving away money and not having property because the poor shall inherit the world. And what good is a man profit the whole world and lose no soul? We get all this technology, but then we go into the dictionary definitions and we see making money and having property is spiritual. So what does that make us as a people statistically? That makes us a soulless people. It makes us a people of our soul. If we're dealing with it from a dictionary perspective, what would it render us as a people based on the religious dictionary definition of the word spirituality if we are the ones lacking in spirit meaning we are lacking in money and we are lacking in property if we're lacking in money and we're lacking in property that means there's an absence of spirit in the community and the absence of spirit would precipitate crime because only a people that have no spirit will be so defeated as to turn on each other when times get hard and this is why we have to teach about the metaphysics of money. Because damn it, if we all got it, we need to pull our funds and make sure one person get it. But do we have the spirit to trust each other to appoint someone to make it in the hopes that when they make it, they come back with their success? Can we trust each other to pull our funds to send a specific group of our youth to school because we all can't afford to send ourselves to the best schools if school is requisite. It matters where school is requisite. It's not requisite for everything. People go to school for graphic design, and all they get to do is work at Kinko's and print. That ain't worth nothing. Don't be owing nobody no student loans for them damn business administration and graphic design. Go for something that's stellar. And if you can't, go to entrepreneur, right? You'll be saving yourself money <laughs> and stress and disease. So what I'm saying is, in our right state of mind, we will pull our funds and say we will qualify our youth through an IQ test and we'll say we will send you to school under a strong constraint, only under certain circumstances, one is which being you will have to be binded under contract to bring back the knowledge and the resources you obtained through the school funding we gave you. Come back here and set up shop and teach it back to us for free. We all can't afford to do it. But damn it, if we send a couple of you to school and bring y'all back here, we could come up a generation or two and we'd be good. We got enough money as a community to send our elite to school and make them work their way up in politics, make them work their way up in places that are very important to our success or pivotal to our success, make them go to school for technology so we can learn how to create weapons to defend ourselves. People say, man, what is that about? You still want to just go to war? You don't want to have the, the, the man you go to war with is the man that creates the technology to go to war. You don't go to war with the man that has the money to buy the technology. You go to war with the man who can create the technology with the people who want you to go to war because wars are funded. So the people who want to go to war, they're willing to fund the war. That's what they're saying. But you listen to our community. 
after they talk all those four talks, they start telling you about the mom pop shops and donating this money here, donate. I'm tired of people going on YouTube and talking about, yo, just go store to store and ask them for a donation. Them black people are hurting too. You want to go store to store and ask for a donation? How long is this going to last? <clears throat> you don't know the state of mind we're in right now? Yo, you ain't never seen them one day in your life patronize the store. But now because you're conscious, you think these stores owe you something, but you never supported them a day in your life. But now, so I owe you something because you're conscious and you just got this idea that we need to just go to everyone that's black and everyone that's black should just support. Are you kidding me? That's going to work? I'll tell you what work. Stop thinking about people giving you a donation and start producing something worth patronizing. Now, I'm not telling you donations are bad. <clears throat> There's nothing wrong with even asking for donations. But don't bitch about it if you don't get it. Step your creation game up. You said you were God. You said you built some pyramids. You said you taught the world math and science. So what the hell is this one more invention to save yourself and your family? So this is the metaphysics of money. We're going to be in L.A. August 10th. And we're going to go in hard on the metaphysics of money. We want to make money our religion. I know people are like, what the hell is that? In a figurative sense, don't take it and go stupid, man. In a figurative sense, the way people practice their religious rights is the way we need to practice forms of commerce. We need to make money our religion. So I'm the only one that is known. And people will tell you to pull up and crash in the damn Bentley. When I come to uh, the Metaphysics of Money lecture, it's going to be a Bentley. Oh, it's going to be a stretch. Because I can't fucking talk about this money and don't demonstrate it. See, everybody else went to, oh, God is with me. God, the Spirit is with me. And then when the people fell, you'd be like, yo, so what happened to your God? <coughs> oh, God was with us in Africa? Under Islam, really? So while you was praying to Allah, and your Arab slave master that was packing all the complexes was praying to Allah? One of you was enslaved for over 1,200 years. That's over 1,000. How the hell does your God allow someone to call on them without burning them from time to time? How the hell you could call on me for help when you are oppressing my child for over 1,000 years? It didn't let up after the first hundred. It didn't let up after the second hundred. It didn't let up after the third hundred. It didn't let up after the half century mark. It didn't let up after a whole millennium. And then after all that, we doing 400 years jail time in fucking America? And you're going to tell me to believe in your God? The only way this is going to work is if people can demonstrate that which they're telling you is true. So how can I go around and have a talk called the metaphysics of money with holding my sneakers? I hope people understand what I got to do here. I got to demonstrate it. I got to demonstrate it can be done so you can believe what I'm saying. It has to be demonstrated. And if half the people that be preaching in the damn community would just demonstrate that they have the truth with them, that whatever it is that they teach and works in their life, nigga, you know astrology and everything, use the damn cheat code to astrology to make yourself come the fuck up. Create something. Blue pill creating some bomb-ass jewelry, yo. Some crazy. I told him I was proud of him because it looked fly, so you stepped your game up. Because in the past, niggas create shit because they're conscious and think you're supposed to support it just because they're conscious and they're black. No, man. Make it look good. You know what good look like to us as a people? And I seen it. I said, yo, my wife, he put that on. I said, yo, I, I would not lie. I would be like, man, this shit trash. I, I'm that type of person. If I really love you, i just say, man, step it up a little. I'd be like, it's all right. I'd say something. Like, it's all right. <laughs> but he passed the height mark. His shit is hot. 
his jewelry is hot. Yeah, I don't care what he charged for it. Don't under don't underwage yourself. Your time will come, my brother. Your shit is hot. You know what I'm saying? It's hot. People should support it. Go to his website, wherever that website is, brother. Let them know your jewelry is flying. If a nigga turn around, what are you doing charging for that? Actually, what are you doing spending all that money before all the races, nigga? You've been spending with them for since your own life. Just come out for some air, nigga. Just come out for some air and support something that's hot in your community. Then you go back in. <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. People ask me, yo, how the hell you can have one of this kind of clothes or this white man's clothes? Are you wearing Versace this or you wearing part of that? Listen, let me tell you something about the metaphysics of money. <laughs> when I first came into consciousness, my wife and everybody was wearing dashikis and everything. The women were upset. They said, we could see your wild shape, not their legs, not their skin, not their breasts. You can see their shape. Don't make the dashikis form-fitting. Cool. They loosened it up. But the way the African clothes are, when you tie in the cloth around your body and tying cloths around your chest, you still can see shape. Some people, the women just judging. More women looking at my wives, then the dudes looking at my wives, and they just some weird shit. We like, all right, cool. But after a while, after a while, we grew uncomfortable, man. We like, you know what? We we meeting people who dressed apart, but goddamn, their mentality was so horrible. So we start saying to ourselves, shit. We thought at one point that the clothes is making us better people. That's the main reason we started doing this shit. It seemed, it seemed like the clothes and the mind was all one. So we was wearing the clothes thinking the shit was going to do something to our mind. But we're watching the minds of the people and the way they behave, the way they dress. And we're like, yo, if that's what they're doing, then we want to dress like them niggas. We're uncomfortable because they're not representing mentally. But they're putting the garb and associating that to the mind. So we're like, you know what? We're not free. We're young. We didn't want to do it, but we was doing it anyway on the strength, just trying to show love. So boom. We fall back. When I was young, I always wanted to drive nice cars, man. I wanted multiple cars. And I wanted multiple women. And I wanted the women to know that I'm dealing with them all at the same time. And I didn't want no stress about it. That's when I was young. When I was younger, that's what I wanted. Now how the hell are they going to knock me? What I'm doing right now, I got my wives, got my nice cars, I got some bread. I wear a little pride here, wear Versace there. But that's my spiritual path. And people say, that's white supremacy, my nigga. No, hold on. This ain't no white supremacy. Listen to what I'm telling you. Let me, let, me, let me walk you through this. When you're young and you have visions of seeing yourself a certain way, and you die and never get a chance to materialize your conceptions. Notice I ain't say materialism or that which is materialistic, I'm talking about the materialization of your conception. I conceived that which was not tangible. I saw myself somewhere that did not exist yet. As a young man, I said, for me, I feel I have accomplished, or I am accomplished if I get me some nice cars, more than one, and I can drive them, or I can pull up, hop out, expensive shoes, have multiple women around me. This is the way I saw myself when I was young. Now I got conscious, and I was able to obtain some resources. And for the first uh, set of months, or first year, I obtained a little some resources. I said, I got to have discipline. Don't buy no nice car. Don't buy no nice house. Just be easy. You know you want women like, but be easy. 
See, I could be honest about it. The problem with this conscious community, y'all don't want to admit y'all want to have sex. Y'all don't want to, I want to, I admit, I like the fishnet stockings. I like the stockings with the one little line going down the back. I like the way the calves on the woman looks when she's wearing her heels. I like to see some of her cleavage, not her nipples out. Niggas exaggerate. I like to see how my woman's shape look so I can keep my eyes on my wife and not on other people's women. You niggas so stressed out, that's why you in other women's face that belong to your friends because you're not allowing your wife to be free. So you can appreciate and embrace her. So for me, I don't want to pretend no more. I was hiding from the conscious community. I was uncomfortable. I was not driving nice cars to make people happy that still were not happy. I was not wearing the clothes I want to wear to make people happy that still were not happy. I was not having the multiple women I want around me just to make people happy that still are not happy. So what does it amount to if you are not happy and I'm not happy? At least one of us can fucking leave happy. So I'm saying to myself, as a young man, these were my dreams. You might have been one of those young people who always just wanted to get a high school degree and just have a white picket fence and a house and contribute to the black nation. And call. You might have been one of them special children. I wasn't. I was a nigga that grew up like, yo, I didn't have much. The day I could finally shit on these people, this is how we used to talk. But I'll, I'll, I'll change the jargon. I won't shit on nobody. I'll say it like this. As a young man, you just wanted your day. It's, a, it's an art form. Success is an art form, and our races always wore their success on their head in the form of their hair. The way they feel about themselves, you see it in their hair, you see it in their makeup, you see it in their clothes, the way they wear their clothes. Success is an art form. We express to other people what barometer, what our barometer is for success. It may be through our sneakers. Our sneakers may say, I am living hard, but nigga, at least my sneakers is clean. On Easter, when you ain't had much, my grandmother used to give me like $300 to go school shopping for Easter. And I'd be like, all right. And I'd come back in the house with disappeared kicks and jeans. That's when guest farmers was popping, had a little four pockets on the side, jean jacket outfits with the shit. If you ain't had the matching jean jacket to your pants, you wasn't popping. So when Easter came and I had only a jean jacket and pants and sneakers, my grandmother looked like I was crazy. One time for uh, going back to school, she gave me $500. The black and blue pennies came out. I spent 400 for them shits. That's the first penny always, the one cent on the back. For those who know sneakers, you know what it is. I spent 400 That was the first time sneakers were really costing that much. That's when they thought Anthony was going to be Jordan. And I caught me some black and blue pennies, and Cameron was rapping on it, rapping about it, leaving nigga black and blue like a pair of pennies. I felt like the shit when he rapped it in the song because I had them on my feet. But my grandmother looked and said, did this nigga... Spend 400 out of $500 of his school shopping money on sneakers. She said, oh, you going to school butt naked with nice shoes? Where's the rest of your clothes? I'm like, yo, I had to get them. Because, you know, niggas is going to school, going on. The older dudes is shitting on the younger dudes. I knew I got I to gotta have something to reflect. I can, I, can keep, I can keep up. But, you know, the older generation, they understand what we're going through. <clears throat> then we had the low lives. And back then... Chaps wasn't it. If you wore chaps, it, it was a barometer of success that said you wasn't really making that much bread. We're going to let you strive with the chaps, but what you really had to have back then was the Tommy Hill figure with the stain on the, on the tag to let everyone know that your shit was real. It wasn't fake. You had to look at a nigga tag, pull his shirt, make sure that the stain was on one of the boxes. Those of you that was into clothes know what I'm talking about. 
You see what I'm saying? Then if you was wearing polo, you had to have the RLX or the RL67 or definitely the teddy bear. You had to have the teddy bear on the sweater, but those were the shit that was costing bread. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Then it was Iceberg and Coogee for the next level of success. The niggas who was wearing Iceberg and Coogee, and if you had the Coogee sweater and the hat, then we knew, speculatively, you paid at least five fifty for your sweater and at least a buck, buck fifty for your hat. You was in. Niggas was like, yo, girls would come, yo, boy, my friend like you. You know what I'm saying? That's what you want to show. Your credit was definitely good. <laughs> your credit was good. You know what I'm saying? So I'm trying to bring my people back that's listening. For those of you that never got a chance to participate in that, when you finally start making money and you conscious, go back and buy the goddamn sweater, man. Free your spirit, man. You traumatized by that shit, whether you know it or not. Ain't hurting nobody, man. If someone's hurt because you're wearing some damn clothes, they are insecure about their poverty, man. Let them be. It's like people say, don't bother me by their religion. Don't bother me by my religion. My shit is money. Don't fuck with me when it comes to this money shit. Leave me the hell alone because I was traumatized as a youth at one point when I was homeless. So now what I'm doing is burning out my desires. I'm not telling you to spend money reckless and wild. I'm not telling you to live a promiscuous life. I'm saying there were things that you wanted when you were young. And if you never achieved them and you are in position to achieve some of those conceptions that you had when you were young to make them materialize, do it so you are not held back here on the physical plane when you die, always thinking back, what if I could have had it? Don't hold back for these people that will never be happy any damn way. Consciousness has nothing to do with being complacent with poverty, has nothing to do with not getting the nice clothes you like. <clears throat> Don't bother me about it. Don't say polite. Why are you wearing them Versace kids? You know, the white man make that. You give, Listen, this is what it's about. When I was young, this is what I, what I was into. I couldn't get it. Now I'm older. I can get it. Let me burn it out. So when I get a little older, I don't lose myself. Because, you see, when you force a person to uh, quit smoking when they're not ready to quit, they go from what they used to do, five cigarettes a day, to a whole pack. Because they, you force them to quit, not for the right reasons, but because of force, which is a wrong reason. People should have in their heart to let it go. You can, if you don't burn out your desires, your desires will burn you out. <laughs> this is a fact. If you don't burn out your desires, your desires will burn you out. So I'm not here trying to be burnt out by my desires. In one day, be overwhelmed. You see a lot of these people, they become rich and successful. And what they do, you say, how the hell did he blow millions of dollars? Because they wasn't allowed to do things in moderation. They went from zero to 100 real fast. I'm telling people, do what you do in moderation, and you won't have to worry about being one of those statistics when people say, damn, how the hell you blew all of that? That's because they were never allowed to express success in the art form, and overnight they had it, and they didn't know what to do with it. So I'm telling everybody here, treat yourself to something that you feel is good as a youth. I listen to music that used to come out back in 10 years ago, the 90s. You know why? Because it brings me back to the emotions I had back then, and it revitalizes old cells, and it works as the fountain of youth. When I buy certain clothes, I don't buy it because I'm stuck on the name brand. I buy it for the fountain of youth. I buy it because it's the type of thing I would have wore when I was younger. I listen to the music. That's the type of thing I would have listened to when I was younger. And I look at images that were the type of images I used to look at when I was younger to keep my youth. I do it to keep my youth. That's what this is about. 
You want to maintain the integrity of your youth. Otherwise, you'll be acting like you're in your early adolescence when you are in adulthood full blast. Don't let no one take your youth away. I'm 30 years old. I'm turning 31. I still got youth left, man. I'm not allowing nobody to take it from me. I lost a couple years in the conscious community trying to do things people wanted me to do the way they wanted me to do it, and in turn, both of us was unhappy, becoming a burden to each other and a burden to myself. Now I'm more free, so I think clearly. You hear how fast I speak? That's because I'm free. I ain't got to think twice no more. I say how I feel. It doesn't take nothing away from me and what I can offer to the community. Do what you want. So my wives wear their heels and everything, and somebody, oh, man, niggas got their wives coming to classes looking like hoes. Really? Do you know the average hoe dressed conservative on the streets so she could be on the low so no one knows she's a hoe? Do you know in the Bible when a woman wears a face veil that she's considered a hoe, she's not supposed to show her face in society, and now you niggas that call yourself Muslims and it's got your wives covering their face, do you not know that women that cover their face according to the Bible was considered to be prostitutes as they cover your woman up? <laughs> Listen to me. Stop exaggerating. Stop exaggerating. My women's nipples are not out. Their ass cheeks are not out. Stop exaggerating, man. And if they were, what you so damn stressed out about? People killing each other, drinking tons of alcohol, people are prostituting in the community? Cut it out. <laughs> this is somebody's mother. You ain't that angry. I had people I'm on stage recently while I'm out here in L.A., a sister going to go on stage. Yeah, niggas got their wives coming out here just like all that. And I guarantee that if I step to the sister, she's going to say, I ain't say no names. She said everything to make everybody say, I know who they trying to talk about. But I guarantee you if I said something to the sister, she would say, well, the fact that you think it's your family that I'm talking about, tell you this, I don't got the time to play games with these kinds of people. You know why? Because to keep it a buck, they wouldn't say that when my wife's present. They just would not do it. And I'm glad because my wives are not like me. They don't be thinking it all through the same way I like to think it through and have a good uh, psychological reason for why people are doing things like this. Because I would tell you psychologically that the woman that does that, knowing that the promoter that brought her out is also part of our community, King Simon, and she was a sister. You know what she would do? She would have said, since you promote Brother Polite and you got me out here, <coughs> do me a favor. Can you get me in touch with the family? I want to talk to them sister to sister before I make a public exclamation, condescending views, dissenting views about people. I would first like to speak to them one-on-one. -on -one. Well, my brother who supports Islam, come out and go after me and say a bunch of dissenting views about me, knowing that he has my phone number. Knowing that when I had an issue with something he did or said, I called him directly. When my brother Philip got up on that damn YouTube and say what he say, I'm looking and saying, wow. Polite scared. How come every time I come to town, he ain't here? He keep hot. I'm like, hold on. I ain't never had a scheduled appointment to talk to you ever. I barely know you. How the hell could I be running every time you come? That's probably because I, I've never had a meeting with you. I've never had a scheduled meeting with you. And in fact, should I come to L.A. and say, since you live out here, you hit for me? It makes no sense. But back to the woman. This is all poverty, you know. If she was being a sister before she made exclamations about her dissenting views about other females in the community and how they dress and where they go and how they carry themselves, as a sister, you should have made a phone call first. It wasn't far beyond you. 
because the person that brought you in also is part of the community, close to the family, and everybody knows. Say, y'all, I would like to talk to them real quick before I do this. So what would compel a female that has the opportunity to talk to women she doesn't know to go up on stage and say these dissenting views the way she did, make her exclamations, derogatory as they were, about a people that she had full access to communicate with before she can even be rejected, before a proposal to have a meeting or a conference call can be declined, what will compel a person to do that? <clears throat> Feeling like they are lesser in quality. There's poverty. She feels inferior in quality. And I'm going to tell you, deep down inside, she may want to wear form-fitting clothes, but it may not look that good on her. Or she may not feel it looks that good on her when it would look that good on her. Deep down inside, she may feel uncomfortable about how her man looks at her and may feel insecure about how her man may look at my wives. No one knows. These are all speculations. But I'll tell you what, poverty, feeling like you are inferior in quality or that which you have is inferior in quality, makes you speak condescending about other people before first giving them an opportunity to go into dialogue with you. Poverty does that to us all the time. It makes us attack each other because we feel like something we have is inferior in quality. And when you see somebody else with that which you wish to obtain, it only makes you grow more insecure about yourself and your position, and in turn you turn on your own people. And that's why the very thing people can love you for will in turn be the very thing they turn and hate you with. And that's why we say infatuation can be easily infatuating because it starts off where every time you see a person, you love and appreciate what they have to offer. You love what they can contribute. But over time, if you fail to offer the same thing and you want that which they have that you embrace them for, eventually every time you see that person, they become a reflection of that which you have yet to register in your own life. And in turn, your love quickly transmutes into hatred, and that's what we're dealing with when we talk about poverty. Poverty. We're feeling like we are lesser in quality or have something lesser in quality, and we can't appreciate the success of other people within our sphere. It's taking place all the time. And I'm only using these circumstances, as I only find out about them recently, to express to people the only reason I can keep my sanity is through this conscious information. This conscious information helps me keep my sanity. Because if I wasn't conscious, I would have lost it. But even worse, if I were not conscious, and the little thing that I have you was trying to take from me, I would most likely hurt you. And I would most likely throw my life away. Feel like I don't have much of a life to live in the first place. That's why people need to stop hating. Because you don't know if the people you are hating on are on their last leg. And you don't want to push people over the top. They may have lost their mother. They may have lost their father. They may have lost their child. They may feel their life is in a, of lesser quality. And here it is, the one little thing they got left, whether it's their wife, whether it's a nice shirt, whether it's a nice shoe, the one thing that they're just holding on to as a prized possession, materialistic as it may sound, may be the very thing they need to keep their sanity. And you come along their path with that hatred and you have no idea, you may lose your life because that person may be a step away from not appreciating their very own. We have to think about the conditions and circumstances that is what we identify as poverty. Poverty is a very dangerous phenomenon. It's a spirit force in our community, and it has wrecked and plagued us for years since slavery and even before it. 
We have to get it out of our tank by teaching things that are contrapositive to poverty in the form of workshops that are rooted in finances, because I'm going to tell you, with the right around with the right amount of money, you'll be out having good times with your friends and family. You know, I went out the other night, I I called Blue Pill, I called A. Rashid, and I was like, yo, I, I, I could be spending my time with some other people. I don't be hanging out with dudes much. I really appreciate your company. I would I would like to ask if you guys could just hang out for the night. I said I'll get the stretch hummer and we could just roll through the city and we could chill. And I'm going to even say a curse word in the community. Went to a club. I said I'm coming towards my birthday. And I'm, I'm in my introspective period for the last 60 months. I'm doing a lot of things that I haven't done in quite some time. But I said I want to do this a little bit differently. I want to go to a club, but I want to go with conscious people. And I went with my wife. You know what I'm saying? And I'm going to go further. And I'm going to say there was a woman that came out the fucking sky doing all sorts of contortions with her body and panties in the bra. I had no idea that was going to happen. I had no idea. But that shit was art. You know what I'm saying? You can call it what you want to call it. But when a woman is hanging off a cloth from the ceiling, there's a door in the ceiling and the shit opened up and boom, ass and titties with contortions, doing contortions and everything. I was like, this shit is art. I just think differently now. If you're uncomfortable about your sexuality, you'd be appalled. I'm a grown man. What the hell am I doing being angry if I see some booty and some titties? That makes no sense whatsoever. I'm not supposed to. And my wife is not supposed to look at me. Is she supposed to be uncomfortable if I don't respond as a man? Now, if I'm, like, just drooling, I would think that's disrespectful. But when I came in there, I was like, yo, this shit is crazy. There's a woman in the sky hanging off of a rope, moving around, doing all sorts of things. I'm like, she could break her damn neck. This is, I've never seen nothing like this. And the club is going, and people in there dancing, AA in the building, Blue on the building. I'm with my man, Ali, we chilling. And I'm just dead with my wife. Like, yo, I'm just happy everyone having a good time. You know, these guys are cool, man. These guys are cool. I wish I could tell you more, but you niggas are squares. So I can't say nothing. I ain't going to go no further, but it was a great night. <laughs> I said, it was great. And it's nothing like having to stretch home or pull up when you come out of that shit. And you're killing them. And everybody's like, yo, what the fuck? We're killing them. And we kill them every time. When I went to the game where uh, the rapper the game is playing and J.R. Smith and Metal World Peace, I pulled up in a Bentley and $1,700 shoes. That way two of each size can be made before all the Versace stores run out of it. With the matching gold Versace chain. Two, when I came in there, I'm sitting on the stars, and I'm feeling good about myself. And I'm like, yeah, this is what I wanted when I was there, because I'm living in my youth. This is my paradigm. This is what I'm doing. Pay me no mind if it's offensive. Pay me no mind. This is something I got to do to get it out of my fucking blood before I turn 31. Because I'm about to get on this metaphysics of money tour, so I got to live it. I, I got to play the part. I got to be living in the role so I can drive yeah, home gotta, the energy. You got to taste it. What's that? I, I got to taste, taste it. It's like method acting. You got you to get into your skin. You got to get into your role. Go into your That's bag. That's right. Because this is what the youth wants. That's what the youth wants. They want to be in the club and be the ones being seen. They want to have the newest kicks on in the exclusive. They, they want to go into a spot and turn heads. This is what the youth wants. I got to feel what they want to feel. 
so I could try to find a way to interpolate it so I can reconvey what they want but put it into spiritual context so they don't lose themselves in the Maya trying to gain material things. You got to allow the boy to do what he's doing because the elder generation ain't really understanding what is this uh, affinity or fixation to material things that the youth is dealing with. So a lot of us ain't let it go, and I guarantee you, if you put the right amount of money in, the, in, in people's hands in this community, you see a lot of niggas go crazy, lose themselves, and never come back to teach class. My daughter be always asking me, like, yo, after the weird shit some people be saying, they don't even know that, yo, in the stress, you chilling, I'm with Fabulous uh, one day, my daughter with Romeo today, little Romeo, I'm like, this shit is crazy. You know what I'm saying? We had Jimmy Cliff concert, over 10,000 people. <laughs> And then he's in the lobby chilling because he's a man's uh, father, Ali, who's chilling with me. You know what oh, I'm Ali's saying? out there? Yeah, you know, he's my next uh, so Ali. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? My breath. Yo, so let me share yeah, something yeah. with you. And this is interesting that you're having this conversation because, you know, recently over this summer out here in Harlem, um, you know, We've been experiencing uh, a tsunami or rather a rush of, quote, unquote, rappers, you know, stars, people who are, Mm -hmm. I call them the influential, right? And and I want the family to follow me on this because ultimately, you know, we are, we're the youth, you know what I'm saying? Like we identify ourselves as a generation that's identified as the youth, the, you know, I, 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 I'm from the 70s. I'm a 75 baby. So my generation all the way down to your generation, all the way down to the 11-year-old is coming to the lecture, little man, little man Najee. We are the hip-hop generation. We are the hip-hop youth. So when we out here teaching and doing the knowledge, ultimately, well, damn, hold on a minute. Let's get into this 11-11. I didn't even know that that was coming up. All right. Oh, wow. We are talking metaphysics of money. You know what I mean. I, I, I want to, you know, I want to be able to let the family meditate on that for a minute, let that marinate, and then we'll get back. I'll wrap up that point, and then we'll go into these callers because, you know, you must have a you must have a a, a burn on you. You must have pulled out a gun when I wasn't looking because everybody hands are up in the building like. Got a lot of hands up. Let's see some. Let's see if the studio opens up. All right, give it one minute. Yeah, but while we wait for the studio to open, what the what what the artists are saying to us on 125th Street is, you know, keep in mind everybody that we've interviewed, Sway from MTV. Loaded, Mook Murder, Hollow the Don, DNA, Big T, um, the brother Ramsey's from the from the Giants, uh, Carl Jones, everybody that we've come into contact with, they walked away with some information, first and foremost. Right? So they we've given them the opportunity to take the consciousness into their circles, into the studio, the office, the crib, wherever they you know, wherever they're at and to experience what it is that they may have heard about. Because all of them are saying, this, yo, we, we heard about this stuff, but we didn't know that it was like 
we didn't know that you brothers were like, you know what I mean? We didn't know that there was like young brothers into this. We didn't know the brothers that was into getting, you know, that were into enterprising, were into this, were into the movement. They're still viewing the movement from the perspective of, you know, an eldership aspect. Like they, you know, or a poor righteous teacher situation where they were not used to seeing brothers and sisters that were dealing with consciousness, but dealing with, you know, consciousness from an aspect of, you know, I'm a business owner because I'm, I'm hitting them with the shirts. Like, this is my business. This is what we do. This is my brand. And when they hear that language, they're like, oh, y'all, y'all guys are taking it serious. Y'all enterprising. And we're like, yeah, what you think? We're like, what did you think we was, you know, what you think about the conscious community? And they're like, I didn't really know that there was even young people that were involved in this. I didn't know that, you know what I mean? So the impact that we, I, I, I always thought that the idea was to come full circle with it, correct? I thought that the idea was to influence the influential. Like I come from the era where, P.E. was talking about Farrakhan, and that made me want to listen to Farrakhan. You know what I mean? Like, I come from the era where Khaled was hopping out of Bentley's, like, real for real rap. You know what I mean? And, and rappers were looking up to Khaled. Yeah, yeah. And by them looking up to Khaled, that made millions of people say, who is Khaled? Who is this Khaled Muhammad character? Who is Minister Farrakhan? Who is Malachi Z. York? Because the rappers were talking about them. The rappers were influential they were influenced, and they are the influential. So they influence millions. That's right. So they're doing something for you that nobody can ever do. You know, even with my brothers from the Nation of Islam, the demonstration that they had on stage alongside Jay Electronica and Jay-Z, that was a milestone in hip-hop, and that was a milestone in the conscious community because those brothers right. are part of the community. So them being on stage is all of us on stage. That's called full circle family. That's not where they're trying to hang out. They're trying to become Jay-Z or they're exonerating him for what he said or whatever that is. No, that's just symbolism. That's symbology. That's understanding movements, and that's understanding that the streets are now marrying and coming back together into consciousness. There was a separation at one time. But the majority of the teachers and the majority of the students and a lot of the people that are inside of the conscious community right now, we all come from that generation. We all hip-hop. So where are we running from? Good question. Where are we running from? We're running from yourself. That's right. So that goes into this whole thing of this, this, this conflict of identity where it's like, are we not comfortable with who we are, what we come from? Are we really trying to become something other than who we are? We the hip-hop generation. This this what we ate for breakfast, lunch, dinner. This how we walk. This how we talk. This how we carry ourselves. We could be we, we hip-hop, we got hop. We, we elevated from whatever we whatever stages we started from. But ultimately, right. at the end, we could be dog star hip-hop. But ultimately, we hip-hop. That's yeah, the algorithm. That's what that's DJ what that's wiring us. We come, we right DJ Crew family. You know what I'm saying? That's you know, era. and it's a balance. Well, you wouldn't buy nothing but a cool mixtape. Where Fabulous used to start off the mixtape, and you had to copy. Start off. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Come on, this is where we so, come yeah. from, man. Yes, <laughs> this is what we do. Facts. It's you know, real, man. So, uh, it. Hard, man. It's a, it's it's beautiful, man, and. Uh, the biggest problem one generation to the next is one of the other, the, the premier generation starts feeling guilty 
about having a certain embrace to see that same culture perpetuated in a different time. No, all we have to do is re- refine it. That's all we have to do, refine it, make it's it better. It's all about refining, you know what I'm saying? That's like it. We were, we were in the same position that the rappers that we're interviewing were before we became conscious. So is this arrogance now going on? Is this, are we turning into elites? Are we trying to act like we're holier or, or, or better than somebody else? Because they was, you was ignorant just like they was before. And the truth be told, to be honest with you, after building with them on camera and off camera, I haven't met one of them that was super ignorant yet. And we've been, we've interviewed a ton of them. You already know. Brothers got a head on his shoulder. And our job is to Charles Hamilton with the crazy, yeah, with the craziness Charles Hamilton said. It still had a wealth of information inside of it. He still showed me that he had a, a sense of consciousness, all the way down to the most knuckleless dragger, knuckle dragger dude that we might have interviewed. It was still a sense of consciousness in them. Our people are not savage. Our people are not ignorant. Our people are not brain dead the way that we try to picture them as. Our people are suffering, like you said, from a lot of psychological, mental, spiritual, and emotional disorders. You understand what I'm saying? And they don't have a point of reference for greatness to even measure themselves by because our people are chameleons at the end of the day. We know how to transform and we could change clothes and become anybody that we want. We shapeshifters. We could become anybody that we that we want to become. So if you give a person a point of reference of a successful brother from the conscious community who's hopping out of Bentleys and is looking apart, if he's talking about he come he descends from pyramid builders and they was pulling up the chariots in the 18th dynasty, why the hell won't you be pulling up in a chariot today? <laughs> My nigga, real talk. And from that point, and from that point, then you insert the lessons, and that's when they'll be like, yo, I'm sitting at your feet. Any book that you got me to read, I will read it. That's what that's what we did as young gods. It was supreme. It, it was supreme on the back cover of. Let me be really real with you. It was supreme, and it was the supreme team out of Queens. Supreme that was on the back cover. Eric B and Rakim. That was the nigga that wanted us to. That he was the one that had us interested in being God body facts. Real talk. Ask any ask anybody from Brooklyn from that era, OG era. A A Rashid is on the call. It was Supreme from Fort Greene in the Supreme team out of Queens and the other guards that was getting money, getting women, it was fly to death. They had us wanting to study the lesson. You know, okay. the question is this, right? The question is, what, what is the glory in being conscious? If you don't show the benefits of being conscious, then there's an absence of conviction. And if there's an absence of conviction, they will never be taken serious by the people that you are trying to influence. So if it's not nice cars, I can live with that. If it's not nice clothes or expensive clothes, I can live with that. If it's not uh, beautiful women, I can live with that. If it's not showing off your beautiful family and how long y'all stay together, if it's not none of that, if it's not nice jewelry, the question is, what is it? Because you got to be some, there has to be the allure to bring the people in. What is the benefits of being conscious if every time we achieve, we have to suppress it because when you suppress our ability to express our success in our art form, you are actually suppressing our sexuality. Because there's a big, almost everything is sex that you can conceive. 
this is a form of our sexuality. When you suppress people's sexuality, you wind up with all this confusion that we have it today. Don't suppress people's swag. When you suppress people's swag, when you suppress their divine ability to encapsulate how they are achieving in an art form through their clothes, their hairstyles, their makeup, whatever, you well, are suppressing their sexuality. You feel me? Because all of that leads to somebody wanting to make a baby with you at the end of the day. I don't, it, that's just what it is. The nice car, the beautiful clothes, the makeup, the perfect, it's all about role-playing. The mate, all of it. So you're saying Facebook is the form of a mating ritual? It's all ritualistic, man. We're doing all of this just to engage each other. We're preparing ourselves for our potential bride. The women are preparing themselves for their potential man. Let us do what it do. Let us be in the best presentation to be magnetized to the people that are connected to us in mind and spirit. Don't suppress people's sexuality, which is to say them in their purest form being able to encapsulate their success and and. and by way of creative art. Let them do, Let me do this. and be who they are. It's a ritual. Let me open up Blue Pill's line real quick. And I also want to play devil's advocate because I do want to answer the question that you posed uh, a minute ago about what, is what it is that people want to see. Brother 347273. Yeah, I'm here. I'm in the building. Hey. All right. What would you say to the brother... What would you say to somebody who was to answer that question and say, well, Brother Polite, what we would want to see, we're not saying that you should not be able to express yourself with the finer things, but what we would say as a people who needs, you know, who may need property, acreage, land, you know, uh, shelter, you know what I mean, like monolithic domes or, you know, uh, uh, yeah, a, a, a creation of a of a business with a ten thousand or twenty or thirty forty thousand dollar budget, you know, uh, a credit line or whatnot, or you know, we would say let's just get a farm instead of a car. Let's just get farms and just you know, go ahead and buy up heirloom seeds and, and let's start planting moringa or whatever, you know, <laughs> things that, such like that. I'm just saying I'm playing. Devil's no, no, no. Good question. Good question. You know, that would be something I'm sure that the family would just be like, well, there are more important things or there are more things that reap more rewards and appreciating value than buying material goods at this point. Now, before he answers, let's just do this. It's never right to disrespect people's religion. It's good to question. So it's a good question of my religion, which is money. It's a good question. But... Once we start saying there are more important things, now we are being rude and disrespectful. Not to you, because I know you're just asking this rhetorically or hypothetically. I say it's disrespectful because no one has the right to tell you which, that your barometer for success is null and void, moot, not important, or is lacking in substance. Because whatever it is, that has you driven to obtain that? Is that what you need to burn out so you can transcend that one and work your way to another? So it would be a bit judgmental and condescending to tell another person that they should grow at the same rate in which 
you intend to grow. See, that is egotistical and ethnocentric, and that's what is pushing the community back. We're trying to make each other grow at the same exact rate and space. And truth be told, our people will be ready for that as a collective once they've tasted as individuals, wherever they conceive to be success. So I always want people to keep that in mind, that when we expect, it's like having 30 children in the classroom and expecting all of them to pass and fail at the same rate at the same time with one teacher. No, we need teachers that were catered to us based on our specific interests and needs as individuals. At some point in life, the experience of education has to be personal before it can be established as a collective. If you got people as a collective, compromised in spirit, feeling like they never had one day for themselves, they will be the toxin, the toxins that filter through the collective. Because when you got people working as a collective in their own individual capacity, feeling like they never had themselves, they will eventually grow bitter, seeing everything work for the community at large, and feel like they have contributed to the betterment of the community, but the community is not contributing to the betterment of themselves. We see it all the time. You've got to let people thrive in their own individual capacity, get their head on their, so- their shoulders, and then when they burn out their desires, allow them to participate in the collective. Indeed. <laughs> That's what it is. I'm listening to Bluto. Oh, no, he wasn't posing that question to me. He was posing oh, that question to you. Oh, I thought he was waiting to hear your spill on it. My background, I've, answered, I've given my answer. All those things are important. But right now, yeah. I'm, going, I'm talking about the dangerous part of the conscious community's conversation, which is we got to cater to the individual. How about that one? It's time to give to the individual. I know that just sounds crazy. The hell with the collective I'm saying right now, now people are going to take that sound bite. And say, did that nigga just say the hell with the collectors? Listen to me carefully. Listen to me carefully. If you don't feed the individuals, if you don't feed the individuals, they will poison the collective eventually. Because once the collective start being successful, you can't have a group of individuals that make up a successful collective because they will feel slighted. We see it all the time. They say, I've been given, and I've been given, and I've been given. Now niggas got, can y'all help me with my health situation? We didn't learn how to help the individual. We didn't learn how to help the individual help themselves. We've only learned how to get everyone together so the collectors can get it, which most cases the leader is the one that is the victor and the people closest to the leader, and everybody else goes to hell. So we got to move from that paradigm. This paradigm that I'm suggesting to the people is let's find a way to get the individual's head above waters. It ain't got to be extreme, but let's let the people feel comfortable enough to know that when you eat, express yourself and be free to do so. Because once you've been free of the constraint that people have imposed on you through consciousness, then you can thrive with us as the collective without compromising the moral integrity of our mission. You will not become jealous. You will not feel slighted. You will be appreciative of the direction we're going as a collective, and you would have burned out your desires. So you will not, in the process of seeing the community grow and develop, be wanting selfishly material things that may possibly stagnate the growth of the community. But that role has to take place within us all. It should have took place when we were children, but poverty has deprived us of that. 
So many of us have to execute that which should have transpired in our youth, unfortunately, in our young adulthood and even older adulthood. Because when you don't, you have a bunch of adults behaving like children today. You really do. And that's because they were busy babysitting their parents' children most of the time, so they missed their youth. That's because they was in prison during their youth. You see what I'm saying? So uh-huh. you have, like a brother told me, he was locked up for X amount of years. And he said, I was locked up for so long that when I left, to, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, he was locked up when he was around 20, 21. So after being locked up for over 10 years, when he comes home, psychologically, he's still trying to get with 20, 21-year-old women. Why? Because that's when life stopped for him. And then he went to prison. So when he came home, psychologically, he's, he's not mentally or wasn't feeling mentally equipped to engage women that were older. He was older. still He didn't stuck. grow yet, yeah. He didn't grow yet. So... Because it's through with the interaction our, with the female. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So of our childhood, many of us have been deprived of our childhood. The only way to cure us psychologically is to allow ourselves to indulge in some of the things that we would have indulged in in our early adolescence had we not have been denied of it because of the constraints of poverty. That's how we're going to fix this community. You got to allow people to express their youthfulness because it's been stolen from us. Our legacy has been stolen. We have never been able to be free. We couldn't even run down the block without the fear of our parents saying, don't go too far. It's dangerous outside. The people might come in the house earlier. Do you know there's other cultures where the children get to stay out late? Do you know I I, I, I tripped when I found out there were schools? where the children were allowed to leave the school building to go buy lunch and then come back for class? Do you know we went to Wingate High School? I went to Wingate High School in the hood. We had lockers, but we got in trouble if we put shit in our lockers. We had showers, but we weren't allowed to shower, but we had to go to the gym and sweat like hell. And back in those days, we was wearing them Tommy Hilfiger shirts, and you didn't want to sweat because the dirt would get on the collar. The shit wasn't cool. So niggas would fail gym because they didn't want to sweat playing ball and then put back on their clothes to go to seven period. Who are you telling about this stuff? This is shit that I know, man. This is what traumatized us as a youth because we couldn't play ball because we would have to walk around sweaty and you want to be in girls' faces so we couldn't have that fun. And then we couldn't, we couldn't hang out late because the parents was afraid that it's the hood and someone may die. So we couldn't go out and have fun. And the parties we wanted to go to was always being fucking shot up, the basement bashes. So you had to damn near risk your life to have fun. That wasn't fun. So now you get a little bit older, you get a little bit wiser, the people of your generation just want a little bit better, but we behind schedule. Well, you going to force me to be an adult when I never got a chance to finish being a child? So people say, man, why are you joking around when you're doing these debates and everything? Because I think it's funny how upset people be getting when I'm just asking questions. Like, at the end of this debate, I'm going to still love you. At the end of the debate, i got to be a cult. I'm a nigga. I'm like, yo, hold on. You upset for real? You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, what's wrong with you, nigga? Like, what's wrong with you? Are you not secure that you feel as smart as you was prior to coming in? Because if you did, you would not have to insult me. You would walk away feeling the victor because as a man, you did a great job in your own individual capacity. But if you're feeling impoverished because of your presentation, meaning lacking in quality, what it does is make you turn on everyone outside of you and then yourself less. 
See, I understand the psychology behind this. I may not have a doctor prefixed in my name, but I certainly know a lot about psychology because doctors have read about them, and I read. So I watch this, and I say to myself, man, I laugh a lot of times because it's funny. Because I'm like, you guys are taking this entirely too serious. This is my life we are talking about. I ain't about to let nobody stress me out like that. It hurts when people talk crazy. We all get down at sometimes. But the thing that makes me special, my contribution to the conscious community is I want to look like I'm having fun when I'm teaching. I don't always want to look like I'm stressed out when I'm talking about positive things because then eventually you associate that negativity to consciousness and you turn people off. If every time we're teaching, we're cursing somebody out and we're talking about people being raped, we're talking about being robbed and pillaged and castrated and denied and in poverty, and we, when does the person come on the radio and say, yo, make some money? Go to the, yo, I went to the club last night with my man and we had a good time. You see, now you're relating to people doing what people normally do because the average person oh. that's coming to class see, watches hold on, TV. Hold on. hold on. We had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> yo, you got to tell people you're having fun sometimes if you're teaching, man. It can't always be about the Illuminati conspiracy. It can't always be how they got nanotechnology and they put it in your babies when they're born. It can't always be about the chemtrails that's in the air, make you have flu symptoms so they can stick you with more shots that have formaldehyde and dead baby fetuses in it. We can't always be the bearers of bad news and calling this shit conscious just because it's negative. What about, uh, yo, let's make some money. And when we make some money, let's go hang out. You know why it's important? And people say, man, you niggas hung out with the club, dying on these streets. Y'all motherfuckers is coming in this conscious community. Listen to me and listen to me carefully. What makes me special to this community is, one, I'm not going to lie, I'm a, and I'm going to tell you I had a lot of fun. And two, how would I know Blue Pill and Rashid are really my brothers until I function with them outside the context of the lecture forum? See, when I'll, you, yeah, I don't trust you if we can't go hang out. Exactly, because that's when you find out who's drinking and smoking and shit, and, 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 and people slip, you know what I'm saying? So you find out who's hiding and who's just riding. You find out who's going to front, and you find out who's just going to keep it a buck. You feel me? And, and you see, how can we fight with each other as a people if we don't know how we function outside the lecture forum? You see, when you leave out, we meet each other at the lecture forum, and that is, that is the, uh, the beauty of, the, of that which we call the inception of our friendship. It is great that we should meet each other in a conscious community, but we cannot thrive off of that alone. We have to see each other outside that context, go bowling, go bowling, play basketball, go to a party, whatever it is that you do on your conventional time, play video games. I rock with 2K14. I go hard on there. I'll be, be slaughtering dudes in that. You have to do these types of things because you, you're looking to embark upon the human experience. And through that human experience, you'll be willing to put your life on the line for the people that you have interacted with on those occasions. But if we only subject ourselves to the constraint of only being peers and within the confines of the lecture medium, then we may never really be prepared to fight for each other because there's a certain emotional context that we have not approached, that we can only approach, that can only be precipitated under certain circumstances in which we are outside the conscious forum that we met at. So to be real, I can't really say people are going to fight for me unless I can hang out with them outside. So anybody that knows me knows I take the mystery away. I invite them to my house. 
and say, yo, come through. I got to wind the staircase in the crib. I let them sleep over. I let them chill. When, I, when, I'm, when, when I'm in out of town, oh, people can tell you. After classes, a lot of times, it's on me. We go to the movies. Oh, we go to movies 23 deep. Nigga, uh, brothers and sisters in Brooklyn would tell you. Like, after class, we'll, we'll go deep. Bad cars, chilling. If I have to, I, I'll rent some joints. We'll go right to the, uh, to the uh, movies, 20, 30 deep. Be joking, having a good time, playing. Or we go to uh, Mott Moon's Falafel Spot because they cheap, and we can buy tons of falafels, and we just hang out outside. And that's how I get to know the people that's around me. Because before when I wasn't hanging out with people under those terms and conditions, that's when I had shady people around me put me in compromising position as I'm trusting them, but I was trusting them under false pretense because I never got a chance to really experience them organically outside the confines of the lecture circuit. So what I'm telling the teachers to do, many of your teachers, the second they teach, they're out of there. And you ain't going to see them till five, six months later. And that's okay. That's them. But we can't have a whole community of people that's not accessible. You can't have a whole community that's of why. people that after they teach, they're going to hang out and kick it with the family because then you don't really know who yeah. you're dealing with. That's why I said on previous shows that the one thing that's missing in the community and the one place that that, that filled that void was um, Nicholas in Brooklyn with Monique. Shout out to her. And um, I believe she got married to Joelle last weekend. Shout out to her and her husband. And we don't understand, understand or outerstand that as a community, the social aspect of the community, we don't have that. Like, we have we have uh, a fleeting conversations on at the lecture. When we come together for a lecture, it's a conversation in transition. We're speaking during the break, but many of us are doing commerce. We're doing with, with, with networking and stuff like that, so we don't really even have time to be social. You don't have time to be social on YouTube because you're only looking at somebody for a few minutes or an hour, they're not being social with you, you're watching their video. You might see them social with another person, but in the majority of the time we're on 125th Street teaching, that's also another form of working, or you see us on stage at lectures building and whatnot. So there's no social interaction. The only form of social interaction is through social media. We all know how impersonable and how creepy that shit could be because you're not really mixing and you're you're not looking at nobody eye to eye. You're not building with them. You're not even placed in certain situations. I don't know if you do the um, the smarter dance. I don't know your I don't know your steps. Like I don't know if you do the stanky leg when when yeah. the rap music comes on. Like I gotta see these things. <laughs> Yo, and you know I'm gonna tell you to, something. And the club is the the club is the is the temple family. We broke that down before. You know. That the club <laughs> is the temple. The same thing that we do when we dress up for the orishas. The same way that we get ready for any kind of ceremony. They have replaced that with your modern-day discotheque. The same thing, the music, that's your drums. The, the, the alcohol, the spirits, and the sacraments, that's right there. The sexuality, when you're seeing the women, they're taking off their clothes in Haiti and all that, in Africa, they're, they're topless, and they're, they're, they're bringing up the kundalini, well, you see that in the club. The blood sacrifices and stuff like that, you know, they might go in. Even even they show crunk in, in these clubs down south. Real talk is crunk in the clubs, so they throw in bowls and whatnot, and they mosh pit. Yeah, right, they know. That's a, the spirit for it. That's the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm saying? It's the Holy Spirit. And I didn't even talk about the dance. The dance is also, that's the, that's the, that's the key to it right there. So that's your temple, yeah. family. That's your club. Okay. And, and the, the, the preacher is the, the DJ. The, the preacher is the DJ, and the mantras 
all the damn music coming out of the uh, out of the different um, artists and whatnot, and there's different artists that summon different deities. Come on, dog, talk to me, man. You already know, man. So that's why, like, when I'm at the celebrity uh, ball game and we rocking, that's what brings people close. Because once you play ball, then like J.R. Smith and uh, the game and Meta and everybody, we all can smile and laugh. That's when we start going into who's who. All right, so what do you do? So yeah. you know how we get it in. And that's where the communication go in. And that's, that's how you establish that connection, through doing things that people do. And people watching us all, we all do something different. I lecture. I teach. I write books. I'm into real estate. That's what I do there. You know, I'm, that's what I do. And one person over here, he's a rapper. And these two brothers over here, they play ball. You know what I'm saying? And that's what, you know, so everybody's functioning. But then when you get us together, we're both together playing basketball. And then now we can laugh and connect, and then we can talk. And, you know, I'm going I'm to put the video and everything up. I was talking to Sarnetta. He was like, yo, man, you got to bring me out, P. What's good? I was like, yo, I got to get you out. You know, and he, he, and he was telling me, he said, man, polite listen, when they start hating on you for, for uh, being with the so-called stars and calling you Illuminati because you hanging out with these guys and all, he said, I'm just telling you polite, ignore them. This is what he's telling me today. He said, Pete. He said, you're doing, you doing great work, and you got some kind of spirit where you get to be connected with those people, and they're they feeling you, and you're constantly getting them in tune with the information. So he said, you're doing what you're supposed to do. Because like you said, Red, they are, the, they are the influential, or they influence the people. So if you can they give are. them a tidbit of information and, and get them to disseminate it, when you give them information, it's like when they say, you know, you raise a woman, you raise a nation, you raise a man, you raise an individual. Well, yeah. when you communicate to a rapper, you communicate to millions. You know what I'm saying? Yes, and you do. communicate yes, to a ball player, you communicate to, to millions. When you talk to a conscious person, you're talking to an individual. That's not to belittle the conscious community. That's simply to say, where do we place the message? You see, we're doing this strategically. You work hard to get people to, like when you watch the battle. And uh, you know how much people was like, yo, them search engines going to be lit up from Brother Polite. And I can tell you that the New Covenant website gets lit up a lot of times whenever mentions get made when uh, ball players are, are saying uh, New Covenant or shout out to Brother Polite and everything. You know, every time we got somebody rocking it, it, it works out. But when uh, Brother Mook was like uh, selling loaded lux, like, you know, you're basically rolling with Brother Polite. You got to keep your shit, you know, more conscious if you're going to be yeah. Saying get you down with the unity, the fight, and all that. But that segment right there, that was powerful because on that stage, and and millions of people watching, and so much people was hitting me up like, yo, you know, move just went there. You think Lux be having you come out on stage and doing your thing, and then you bringing out Lux? They said, yo, all that's fly. But they're like, the shit is still going. Cause now Mook said it, cause I had missed that part of it, and people was like, yo, that's a strong look. Because it was nice and clear, and it shows yet again that you are effective in getting the information out. When I when I was out yeah, there at the game, uh, when I was at the celebrity game, uh, the Drew League, when I was at the Drew League and everything, people was there talking to me about the rap battle because the rap battle people watch ball, so they gonna be there because you know the game is there and Jr. Smith and them is playing and all that. So then when I'm there, they're like, yo, 
Yo, you brother polite. Yeah, man, you know, I heard Mook drop your name and da da I looked it up. My, then my man told me he bit on you. Then I see you today. This shit crazy. I just started watching your video, like, after the damn battle. You know what I'm saying? And that and shit was nice, man. That was powerful, that's how man. It worked. It they went and Googled you know, your name because your name got dropped. And after Googling them, they they entered what is known as the funnel in, in, in um, internet marketing terminology and things of that nature. But the funnel is like the tunnel. So now they're going down the proverbial rabbit hole. So now they're experienced. That's why I've always said that, you know, with with this little kids at Jay-Z's Illuminati and Illuminati, I'm like, yo, that's them going into the funnel. That's them going down that rabbit hole. I Don't don't worry about all of that Jay-Z's is Illuminati. That's just, that's their beginning point of consciousness. That We started back in the days with the Illuminati bullshit. Like, that was, <laughs> our, that was our inception. Real talk, that was our inception. But it takes you through a rabbit hole where nobody could control your destiny but you. You're the silver surfer. So whether you end up as a result of that, somebody might have heard your name drop by Mook the other day. They may be the next polite coming down the rabbit hole, bro. Real talk. They may be the next polite coming down the rabbit hole as a result of that. You you just have to be there for them on their journey. So it's and let me tell you, with being 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 uh, on the same team and playing with a brother, you know, that's in the NBA. What that did for people in Venice Beach when we was, because uh, uh, we had a second game right after the first one. That was for the Drew League in Compton, the hood. Then when we go to Venice Beach and we start playing, when people saw that I'm on the same team, they like, yo, look. They're like, this shit crazy, because there was some YouTubers. They, they everywhere. So they come out as a brother is right. I got him on camera. And he was like, yo, this shit amazing, yo. Like, y'all playing on the same team. This is crazy. And it automatically motivated him to go harder on his consciousness. I can see it just on his face. He, he felt like it's not a waste in this opportunity. And then I ain't going to front. I, don't, I, I got to like Ross now. I, I wasn't too much a Rick Ross fan because I was really rocking with 50. So I was kind of biased. But I got to give it to Ross, man, because I listened to this track with him and Jay. I heard it before. I wasn't really listening, though, because I was being biased. Because I, I was caught yeah. up in that damn pop shit. You know how it be. But, yo, Ross went in on that Jay-Z song, man. Him and Jay did a track, and your man was talking about we built the pyramids. The way he did it in the flow, sometimes oh, people be confident and it be funny. That shit is hard, man. That that music. Yeah, I caught the spirit. I had to play it over and over. I had that shit blasting in the bit. Like, listen, this is spiritual music. I'm telling my driver, like, listen. This is some real rap right here. Like, this is real music, man. You know what I'm saying? Both of them did a hell of a job. But I'm like, yo, I got to give Ross credit because he, he, he went hard, man. And I'm like, that's the influence that we're having. And I know a long time ago, I seen a video with either one or both of you around Rick Ross. I, it was a long, when I first got conscious, I saw a video with one of you pills hanging around Rick Ross. Okay? So, what's that? That was blue. It was blue pill. I, and look, this is when I first got conscious. You know what I'm saying? Because when I saw blue, when he used to come to the store, I was like, I recognize him from a video like later on where I'm like, yo, this is like early when I just started really dealing with the conscious community because I was on my own thing, doing my own thing on the side. I wasn't dealing with the conscious community. When I came in, I started to really recognize him, and I was like, one of the things that impacted me 
to get in deeper was I'm like, yo, that guy was with Rick Ross. What is he doing in the conscious community? It just made me pay attention more because my mind was on rap then. And you see, so that's, that's how weird things are, man. And then now I'm hearing the song in the car, and I'm like, that's deep. And then I started wondering, I wonder if Blue got anything to do with this or because you're not going to be around the brother, don't check him out. I don't know what the situation on your relationship was, but it just goes to show that, you know, it's necessary, the connection. We can't keep condemning our brothers and sisters. What we do, we be as influential to them as they are to the community, and it will work out in time. You got to be stop being so judgmental and just uh, refine the situation to the best of our ability. If, if you don't like the, the wholeness in their message, that's what we're here for. So let them do what they do. Let them enhance their ability to articulate. Because once they start dropping those jewels and people get hooked on that kind of message, that's what we're here for. You know, we damage control. We clean up. We clean up nice. That's what we do. So let's, let's just use each other and work hand-in-hand. Because that's one of the filters for my consciousness and entrance into the community was, and that's how you know I'm keeping it real, because, you know, a lot of people probably don't even, never saw that video, but I seen that video when I first started getting acclimated to YouTube, because I wasn't even messing with the Internet, because I was one of those weirdos that was thinking it was the devil, and the child yeah. computer, I was on this Muslim shit. You know yeah, what I'm saying? I was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, they call it the child or some shit. And that, the, uh, you know, the 666 was the computer and the barcode. And I was on some other shit. I, I just finished reading Illuminati 666 and Behold, Behold the Pale Horse and all these other first books you read when you first get conscious. So I was a little like, right. it was in your spooky freshman year. You was in your spooky freshman year. <laughs> no, we, we all went through it. Read. So. You got to read the Francis Cross Wells. You got to read those books. You got to read Zachariah Sitchin. You know, there's certain books that you're just going to read when you first come into the community. You know, you're going to read your Metanetta. You know what I'm saying? Volume 1, Volume yeah. 2. Like, these are volume books. 1, yeah. <laughs> you got to read them because this is what you first get put on to in that era. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, those, are, those are just like right. the, the mixtapes yeah. we used to listen to. You can actually name yeah. books, and I guarantee you most of us read all of those in our entrance into the community because it was yeah. – no one put a sign up there that you got to read those books, but those are the books it's that just, – Yeah, it's just prerequisite. Got. Like that's like, hold on, hold on, that's like hold an unconscious, yeah. unconscious uh, Akashic records. But we got to do this, though, Polite. We got to go to these callers. Let the people know. Yeah, let them know to call in. We got a few minutes remaining to the live stream, three four seven. Yeah. Six three seven twenty one thirty five is the call in number. Three four seven six three seven two one three five to the family. We got ten minutes left. This show is sponsored by Kingscounty.bigcartel.com and mypowerpieces.com. All right, family, check us out. Uh, thank you for your support in advance. All right, we're gonna go to these callers. You said uh, AA was on. Um, let me go into this call queue. It's a lot of numbers up here. Let me double check. Yeah, and then I lost track of time. I'm supposed to be off this phone. I'm going to stay around and get some of these calls. <clears throat> Give me one minute.
You could talk real quick. I'm going to go ahead and um, just wait for this thing to load up. No doubt. It's just like my uh, meeting. I'm about to be off soon. Yeah, so ultimately, <laughs> I hope everybody enjoyed themselves on, on the call. Of course, if you're interested in joining New Covenant, you could go to newcovenantplus.com, N-U-C-O-V-E-N-A-N-T plus P-L-U-S dot com. We're going to be out enjoying ourselves in L.A. We're coming into the hood, teaching our class. That's going to be on August 10th. At August 10th, on August 10th, pardon me, we're going to be doing a stellar job on the metaphysics of money. That's what we'll be teaching. All right. And that's at 1404 West Vernon Avenue, Los Angeles, August 10th, starting at 6 p.m. The flyer will start circulating by tomorrow, but that's the information. It's already actually on some social media outlets right now. Yeah, that's a powerful flyer. Let me go ahead and go to this line. Uh, Our first caller from the 646-676. I think I know who that might be. Follow from the six four six six seven six. Peace. Welcome. Hold on. TV is in the building, man. I want to give a strong shout out to my brother Red Tail and Blue Pill, man. They always doing it big. I've watched these brothers. I've watched these brothers grow, just like I've watched Polite grow. I'm proud of my brothers. I'm definitely proud of my brother Polite. I mean, keep doing it, man. It's the haters that drives us to this point, like. You know, without the haters, brother, we wouldn't. We probably wouldn't be going hard like this. We'd be cruising, you know. We'd be on like the tenth floor. So the haters have a role. The haters do have a role in this, like. Believe me. (laughs) Another brother told me that to be going off too. They're just not getting no check for it. Yeah, I used to be going off too, and the brother said the same exact thing to me. So now I'm passing it on to my brother. I'm proud of my brother. I've watched Polite. He he he's grown, mature, and and he's coming a long way, man. And what we got to do is um is help him go on his journey, man. Not hate on him because in helping him, we helping ourselves, brother. Don't we know that as the people yet? See when we. See- when we see people coming in the community trying to hate on the debates, we have to realize and understand that it's really not the hating on the debates. They really hating on the shit that we doing because they can't do anything better than that. And when you see people talking about the debate, how can you hate a debate when you're debating me about a debate? You debate a whole day hour about hating debates. Mm-hmm. One thing we have to understand, my brother, the, black the difference between us, me, brother polite, and us that's out there that do debates, we do it in the brother's faces, in the sister's faces. They do it behind your back. 
You right. see, they talk about you behind your back so nobody could stand up and correct what they just said. You see what I'm saying? But the difference with us is we do it while the person is standing there. So who's more <laughs> of a coward? Who's more of a coward? You know? I just wanted to hit end with my family, man, and I'm going to keep on listening. They are doing a great job at Throw the Legs Radio. I'm just happy. My I'll be mad, though, when my brother's believing me and shit, you know? <laughs> breaking out of town, I'd be like, damn, where my man Red's gone? I remember when you first left, Polite. Remember that? I was like, God damn, Polite, I called you up. I was like, yeah, yeah. man, tell. my brother leaving me right now again. You know? Yeah. And yeah. we both gave our goodbyes. I called in on the radio show, so I know it was on, and told him right on air, man, I'm going to miss you, brother. And, you know, and that that's that love right there. And, you know, people was like, yo, dang, y'all brothers is cool. I remember y'all used to be going at each other. But I said, even when we was going at each other, the, it was a real recognized, real situation. We never went the distance that certain people go. You know, That's right. uh, people don't get their weight, and they want to destroy the whole enterprise. They want, but what would you have left if you were effective? They, see, people don't think that far. So nah, even when I've been what? in contentious times with Sa, I've never turned around and said, let me try to destroy his whole business. Because then that would show yeah. you secretly I've always hated him. Hated. That's what that would show you. Yep, that, that shows his hatred. But see, all, all the keep it real, Brother Polite is a real fucking dude, man. And I've seen this brother just take care of people. Even when they don't be doing shit, I've seen him put money in people's hands, you know, and just look out for people, man. So I've seen it firsthand. You know, okay. I've seen this brother do that, man. So, yep. I mean, I just wish the brother all the best, him and his family, and I can never hate on my brother, man. I can never hate on my brother. Nah, man. He's going to get right it. He's going to turn up when I get back. He's going to turn up. It's going to be oh, crazy. You already know. You already know. You already know. You know, we the stimulus and, in the conscious community, same, man. And the same with my brother, Red Tail and Blue Pill. I've seen these brothers grow, man. I've seen, I've been in this joint for a long time. I've seen people come and go in this conscious community, man. And these are still here. The red pill, the blue pill. I remember coming in, it was the black dot. All of us were still here in this. I remember the black dot, man, when he used to walk down 127th Street and he would be selling CDs with the lectures on top of the music, instrumental. That's how far I go back with the black dot, man. He used to walk up and down the street. I used to be walking up the block with Dr. Khalid Muhammad, and here come the black dot. He got his music playing. He got the radio playing and the lectures over the instrumentals. Now I was like, I think I bought like about five of them that day from him. Red Hill, yeah. you remember that? I know y'all remember that. Yeah, he had, the, he had the joints. Let me do this, though. Let me go ahead and open up these callers because we do have yes, hands sir. up. Family, 347-637-2135, 347-637. Six three seven two one three five. Let me go to this caller from the eight six four number three one three. Mute your phone, sign that you stay on the line though. I got you. Peace, caller from the eight six four. Welcome to Know the Ledge Radio. Peace, hotel family. Hotel peace, brother. Peace. peace, how are you? Who's that? I'm all right. This is brother Shabazz. I'm calling from uh, South Carolina. Peace, brother. How you doing? I'm all right. Uh, me and the Queen definitely listening in, I guess, you know, checking everything out. My my question is this as it relates to uh, us putting ourselves back inside 
in alignment with, with what is spiritual as That's it right. relates to, to us as indigenous people. Uh, I hear a lot of people say um, before the white man came, they had the Bible and we had the land. You know, they told us to kneel and bow our heads. Then we woke up, we had the Bible, they had the land. I, I feel like even when we look at our ourselves as a people, even inside Kemet, there's a certain ego as even as it relates to the metal metal. And I know uh you know, I know a lot of us rock the onks, we rock the eye of her but we don't know shit about the metal metal. We don't know nothing about the language of nature and the language of knowing how to appropriate our resources. Knowing knowing how to, you know, even uh cultivate our breathing. You know, a lot of us that, that have money don't even know how to breathe properly. We don't know how to uh, how to utilize the resource, and I, I feel like we we should even go back to even look at Tulsa, Oklahoma, where we had uh, an abundance, probably one of the most abundant times for Black people collectively, as it as it relates to finances, and you know that that still was a crumble, that still was a fail. So if we do the same thing, we should be kind of, you know, I, I posted this the other day. Looking at the blueprint, and the blueprint it hasn't hasn't become physical yet. Uh, we we invited SETI down here to South Carolina. SETI came in to, t- to talk, in which there were a lot of people that were looking at SETI, but uh, SETI came in uh, and, and not you know not 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 bashing the brother, but definitely holding accountability. Conscious community has held accountability to the churches. We have talked shit about the churches. We've talked shit about the Jews. We have held these people accountable. So I feel like we have to raise our own hands as well to talk about the importance of relinquishing this damn ego that we got. And we can have a lot, of, we have abundance of resources, but then not actually applying the metal metal, not applying who and what really the Ted is, the importance of prosperity, but as it relates to and through the goddess Ma'at. You understand? That principle, this principle, that means if I do and if I am going to have some money, I am going to be utilizing it and spending it to do something that is going to be val- valuable and valid to uh, getting everything back in line. But going back to Brother Seti, love the brother, love some of the stuff that he's he's put out. But, you know, that brother had on some Adidas. And a lot of times if we're not careful, we'll be utilizing our resources to support the same fucking oppressor or to support the same beast or finding our and our identity, we are why should we have to identify with ourselves through the beast? That shouldn't be. That's out of order as it relates to restoring and liberating ourselves through African, through brother, African spirituality. Brother, brother, listen, listen carefully. He may not be out of order. If you're talking about my act, then what you also must talk about is ISFET. Since I know that you're kicking the science, you must know that ISFET must be chaos. And it is through that chaos that we get divine order. This is correct, correct? We have, yeah. if, if it's law and order, we must have instead. So that being the case, we've learned through the higher sciences to appreciate polarity. One of the doctrines of Tahuti, there's the doctrine of correspondence, the doctrine of breath, the, the doctrine of breathing, the doctrine of sex, the doctrine of gender. As we go through these different doctrines, we understand that there are no opposites, just things varying in degrees on poles. I say that to say that even when things appear to be out of order, 
it is a part of divine order because it is through Iset that we are able to conceptualize what order is. You might be the warrior, the freedom fighter, that gives us the contrast to look at the brother Seti from where he is at and his approach to teaching. And then we look at you and where you are at and your approach to teaching. And both of you having our community's better interests at hand are both in the context of divine order as y'all too have different ways to express the manner in which you choose to convey the information. So what I would say, it might be out of order to identify one as out of order, understanding that even when things are out of order, it is part of the universal cause. And in fact, in science, they call it causal determinism. Everything is happening on purpose for a specific purpose. Whether we can identify what that purpose is or not, it stands to reason. It is still part of the natural order of things. So in that respect, but I've come to, and it's in my evaluation, because I would be out of order if I condemned you. So I feel you are in order to give us the persuasion of this conversation to keep things in perfect context so no one goes too far left on what we're talking about. You are giving us the other persuasion so we could put it in fair balance. Not too much of what you're saying, because too much of what you're saying may make some of us live like hermits in the basement and over-essentuate that which you're saying when your intent isn't for us to over-essentuate any of the things that you're saying. Whereas what I'm saying, I don't want no one to overindulge in materialism either. But we are also talking about the psychological importance of demonstrating how we feel through the artistic cause of dressing. And it may not mean that much because we might not have found that part of the information in ancient Egyptian doctrine and other doctrines. We may not have found the significance of that clothes play in our era and hairstyles and things. And that may not be in full length and full context because it may not have been a psychological issue during that time that has become a psychological issue in this time. So sometimes we have to also deal with the relevancy of the issues that we have in present day because some of these issues were not in abundance nor the diseases have been able to accumulate at, at this rate and in this capacity if we contrast today to, to yesterday. So having said that, I believe in this point and period, when we create a forum to debate, I think it's in, in divine order. I, I feel we are out of order while still being in order when we are outside the right forum. I would want the, I, I would say for the brother uh, wearing Adidas, for all we know, it might have been a gift given to him by someone who's there in his family that may have passed. And to him, it has a certain value that many of us would not even be able to comprehend to the naked eye. Or, it could be the only pair of shoes he has left because he might be running low on funds. I don't know. And, and you know, so because we don't know, sometimes we got to be careful because if it has a sentimental value to it, then the shoes are worth more than the speculation behind what he might be supporting inadvertently. You understand? And who are we to tell him he shouldn't wear that while teaching? It may be the very thing that he needs to engage the people. Because if somebody else comes in full-blown, they may be turned off because of the stigmatization that they may have had, having things fall out with someone who dressed the part but wasn't acting the part. So who knows? So I'm not saying this to defend the brother or support the brother. I'm saying this to appreciate him and appreciate you. Because that's what I've learned from the teachings. So it's, it's, it's my way of, of, of learning how to appreciate everything and understanding there's that which we don't even know may be transpiring. 
and for the and for that crevice of space where we may not know what's taking place, we have to show the humility that you talk about ego. We may have to show humility and the manner in which we may condemn, chastise, or critique because we may not know why some of us do what we do. But I just say that. But I'm listening, brother. But but I I, I definitely wholeheartedly agree with you, um, brother. And and I and I guess now is the time, especially us as a conscious community. We we shouldn't kind of skip over having that checks and balance system. You know, that goes for ourselves, that goes for our own family, because even as it relates to my family, my mother and father, I have had to separate myself from certain doctrines of theirs. So I don't really want to go out. I don't want to go out and then embrace. Hello? Yeah, 